does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Boy, they're going to be bundled across the state of Indiana tonight for semi-state action. 24 teams remain. Indiana High School State Football Tournament. It's going to be chilly. See Mother Nature impacting a whole lot right now. The Colts injury report. It's got some illness on it. We'll go over that. And yesterday it was made official. Browns and Bills moved to Ford Field. Did you see the... I hate it. Did you see the Detroit Lions tweet? I did not know. It was pretty good. The Detroit Lions just sent a tweet that said, "Important phone numbers are or important numbers are next to the phone. Please leave the lights. Turn off the lights when you leave." <laughs> did you see they have a carnival in Ford Field at the moment that to break it all down? Like by the end of the night tonight, the, the, the animals are loose. The lions, yeah. Right? <laughs> well, how about the Bills? They play there on Thursday for Thanksgiving. I, I actually wondered, would they just stay there? Such a short trip. You you would go I mean, home, wouldn't right. you? Right. Yeah. I guess you're right, yeah. I mean, here's the better question. And what we're talking about, by the way, for those that are unfamiliar, and good morning to you. It is Kevin Aquary here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. That's Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton, my name is Jake Query. We'll be with you until 10 this morning and a lot to talk about. But in terms of that Bills uh, and Browns game that was supposed to be in Buffalo, there's a winter storm expected in Buffalo that's supposed to drop anywhere from three to six feet of snow. And I know a lot of people, Mark, you just said it somewhat flippantly, you know, like, oh, boo, don't be soft. I, I think it's more the logistics of the the nece- you know the necessary support staff to get to the stadium. I know. I just love myself some no, snow I, games. I get it. I, I of course. It games. sounded like um, this was not going to be a snow game, though, to Jake's point. It was more about snow removal yeah. until kickoff. Right. That was the bigger issue. So... When this has happened in the past, and it's been a while, but I, you know, I want to say a few times with hurricanes, this has taken place where they've moved games. So, will I would assume that people who had tickets to the game obviously get some sort of a refund? But if you live in the Detroit area, is this free football? Yeah, I was really curious about the tickets. I, I think who I, I can't recall what game it was. Like three or four years ago, this happened, and they moved to a different location and like remember it happened with the chargers do you remember that vaguely what would it be weather related the, the chargers i was thinking if anything it would be a florida team with uh, okay a wait a minute with the chargers was it wildfires remember that huh and they moved for like a game and so fans they went to it might have been new orleans and it was free if you lived in the area and so people, I mean, like, for example, I've always wondered this. Let's just say, obviously, the Colts are at home this weekend. But if the Colts were away and this game was moved to Lucas Oil Stadium and they said, like, hey, tickets are five bucks, would you pay five bucks to go oh, watch yeah. the Bills and the yeah, Browns? Absolutely. Like, why not, right? Have and then you pick- seen what Colts fans have watched at home this season? <laughs> Good point. Pick one of the two teams and make that your team and let's go, right? So that'll be one o'clock on Sunday. Of course, one o'clock here will be Colts and Eagles. I do think this is one of the more you know, anticipated, energy-filled 48 hours before kickoff. I think it's going to be a pretty good atmosphere. 
in there on Sunday for many reasons. Um, I will say just a little bit of the wind out of the sails last night, though. It, it I don't know about you guys, but I watched the Titans, and I just find myself shaking my head. How do they continue to do it week in, week out? They haven't lost in regulation in two months. Their only loss in their last eight games is in overtime to Kansas City. They are banged up beyond belief. Their roster, I don't think, is overly talented. And they just play these. I know last night was a 10-point game. But for the most part, they play these one-possession games, some ball control, and they go into Lambeau. And Green Bay needed that game much more than Tennessee did. And yet, they really controlled that game throughout. I I think a big part of it is, and by the way, Scotty Johnston uh, points out, Apparently, the Bills, to be preventative about potential travel issues, are staying in Detroit. Oh, really? So they're just moving to Detroit. Um, that sounds like hell. <laughs> I spent uh, I spent a month in Detroit one weekend. Now, in terms of the the Titans, Kevin, and I know that this sounds really weird, and it sounds completely inconsistent, and no one hates that more than I, but... I have said literally every day for this football season that the way to build a championship team is not centered around running the football. That's a very antiquated thought process. Unless, and I hate to give an unless because it's inconsistent in me, but I think anybody who listens to this show knows that I I, I have a borderline man crush like you to Benedict Matherin on Derrick Henry and, and the way he plays and... I know last night his numbers don't pop out at you as eye-popping, but his ability, he is such a strong, durable, and bruising back that he is a guy that sets the tone for your offense and does allow ball control because anytime, literally, he is going to get you for the most part, and I know it wasn't the case last night, but just he is literally death by paper cut. And it just keeps the defense on their heels to the point where you can get just enough big plays through the air, but then when necessary, Kevin, when it comes down to it, you can control the clock and not allow a team to get into rhythm and and win games. And that's basically their formula. Certainly that is a huge, huge part of it. Um, and they don't make mistakes. I mean, they are very disciplined. I go to their head, head coach. Well, that's I, I think no Jim Mercer's got to be watching that last night thinking, that's the girl I want to dance with. Well, you've said that for a while now. That That's his Benedict Matherin and Mike Vrabel. Like, that is his crush of, like, the one that, I don't know if got away is the right, right way to phrase it, but the fact that they're in your own division and they continue to do this year after year. I mean, they trade away A.J. Brown. Their top pass rusher, Harold Landry, tears his ACL. Their top left tackle, Taylor Lewan, uh, tears his ACL. And yet here they are, 7-3. and three. They got a fall in their face to not win the division again. And they're just going to coast to a home game in the playoffs. And I, I don't think all of a sudden they're going to go on some run in January, but they have been the class of the AFC South by far. By far. Um, in the Vrabel tenure. Last night they actually threw it. Tannehill had 330-some yards throwing, and Traylon Burks, their first-round pick out of Arkansas, back from injury, had a big night. So, you know, last night was just a reminder of if the Colts are going to get back into any sort of playoff picture, it's going to have to be through the wild card. And you're gonna have to go five and two. Five and two in the final seven. I think you gotta get to nine wins and see what happens. Yeah, I think at this point, 
it's kind of over for them, don't you? If you look at the analytics, 15, 20%. Yeah, I mean. I, I mean, they're only we're only halfway there, basically, right? You know, when you well, look at this schedule. whatever, but. Steelers and Texans, you have at home. Those are must. So that's 2-0 and if you want to play the super glass half full game with me. So that leaves five other games for the Colts the rest of the season. Eagles, at Cowboys, at Vikings, home to the Chargers, at the Giants. So those five, Jake, Eagles, Cowboys, Vikings, Chargers, Giants, you got to go three and two. Yeah, it's... Feels like a tall order. If if they're not well, if their line plays the way they did last week, who knows, right? Who knows at that point? Um little worried about just the general health of the Colts, and I say that from a uh illness standpoint. The injury report yesterday, three guys missed due to illness. This is not COVID, by the way. Um we that's, are still that same cough that Mark and I dealt with for three weeks probably, right? You know, I, mm-hmm. I say this in all seriousness. You two certainly, and I know with Rosie's daycare attendance for her classmates over the past couple of weeks. I mean, this is a this is a big time flu season. No, for sure, and, and it's almost like an allergy cold is what I had. Right, just like what was really weird was, you know, just kind of stopped up with a dry cough that was annoying. Yeah, it's that annoying you, dry cough. That's right what I got for going like, on. and and you had it, Mark, a little bit longer than I did. I think I probably had it a week, maybe ten days, and it intermittently, like yesterday, you might recall. Towards the end of the show, all of a sudden, like I got like a an itch in my throat, like it kind of comes back. But I think that's going around is what yeah. I'm getting at, right? Uh, Kenny Moore, Isaiah Rogers, Zaire Franklin. Kenny has now missed both Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Rogers and Franklin each missed yesterday. Boy, you hate to like point to should they have been practicing outside in 33 degree weather on Wednesday? <laughs> you know they could have had. I know it looked good, but. Uh, Paris Campbell and Jonathan Taylor could have brought in Campbell's soup for everybody. After there you go. Chicken yeah. soup, right? Yeah, that is a great point. Yep. Yep. Get some broth before you head back into the locker room, guys. Um, so that's really the big news on the injury report. Quiddy Pay still in that boot. DeForest Buckner did return to practice. I thought Buckner, he was on with JMV yesterday. By the way, I went to the Bulldog, stopped at the Bulldog yesterday to see JMV. Great turnout there. Love the Bulldog. Um, that was a fun show for John there. He had Buckner on. And he had, I think, a really good quote about Sunday, just basically being like, as a team and as a defense, we need this game. And I think what he's referencing is, obviously, from a win-loss standpoint, you need this game. But I think this is now the next rung on the ladder, Jake. Can you prove it against these sorts of opponents? I mean, we just mentioned the five teams you're going to play here in the final seven games. Eagles, Vikings, Cowboys, Giants, Chargers. I mean, these are teams in the playoffs right now. And that, I think, is the next step of can you prove it? Uh, Unfortunately, you can't petition the NFL to get the Raiders on the schedule every week. But then again, you beat Kansas City, right? Yeah, but remember how many gifts you got in that game, Jake? Yeah, including at the end, right? And remember the muff punt to start the game? Yeah. So it's just, I think, can you beat a quality opponent? Without the gifts. I, I think that is the next Now, that's step. gift, right? Yeah. As opposed to mm-hmm. gifts. Holiday gift right. season. Okay. Think that. Not not on <laughs> the uh, emoji front. Hey, Twitter's there. up and running this morning, right? Wasn't that a big question mark last night? Jake, I might be in the minority. I will be very sad if Twitter goes. Oh, I... I, I love Twitter. You know what? 
And I say that with all seriousness. Kevin, I, I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole that people don't want to necessarily go down for this particular program. But there is, and I have no idea, you know, people smarter than I or more involved than I can, can do talk shows for hours about this exact subject probably. But because it's Elon Musk and et cetera, you know, there's all kinds of speculation as to why he would buy it and then eventually pretend, I don't know that it goes away. But I think Twitter has become an extremely important aspect of the society that we're in from a communication standpoint. Yes, there's misinformation on it, no question about that. But the number of stories, Kevin, and the number of events over the last handful of years that that the American that were important for people to become aware of that they became aware of due to firsthand accounts on Twitter. It's an important aspect of who we are today. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and so we'll see what happens with it. But there was, there were people last night that thought it was over. Right? And I don't know. I saw like a lot of funerals last night on Twitter. Yeah, I saw people saying like it's already like in and you know across the the pond. It's already Twitter is down, and eventually it's going to go down here in the United States and go away. I, I have no idea, but but it's up and running as far as I know right now. Right? Yeah. Looks like it's functioning, um, but I'm with you. I, I mean, normal level. I, I would. I mean, help me create a brand, and you know, I've found very informative. And I get it; it's got its negatives. Not going to act like it's perfect by any means, but Team Twitter on this front. Uh, Indiana and Xavier tonight. Jake from is it still the Centos Center over there? That's what we're calling it. Six I, o'clock. I don't know. Tip. Um, our coverage will begin over on our sister station. That would be WIBC at five. You know, it's such a 180 from a non-conference schedule standpoint this year versus last year for Mike Woodson. You've got two of these just golden opportunities. Um, they're going to be difficult challenges at Xavier and at Kansas, but it's pretty rare, Jake, I think, for a team to have two true road games against quality, quality opponents that if you're able to get one of them, if not both, when you get to March, that is like one of the biggest boosts you can have to your resume ever. You know, what What do the critics say in March when they're examining... Quality wins. Quality wins. Strength and of schedule. Non-conference. Yeah. Away Who are you willing home, to go out and play? Right. All those things. Right. And so for Indiana tonight, they'll get that opportunity. I know Xavier, one of, if not their best player, Colby Jones, is a little iffy with an ankle injury. Indiana is a two-and-a-half-point favorite so, in that so, Obviously, I think people know, you know, like you, Kevin, I went to IU, and I grew up a huge IU fan growing up, no question about it. Um, and one of my buddies that I grew up with, Rob Whitaker, he's not in your your guys' Chris Farkas bingo card, but... No, uh, mm-hmm. Whitaker, but no, he, he's on the bingo card somewhere. <laughs> Whitaker, uh, Whitaker and I went to the 87 NCAA tournament together at the RCA Dome, or then the Hoosier Dome to start Indiana's title run in 87, and he is a huge... Whitaker has never lost that fanaticism for IU basketball. And I guess yesterday, Whitaker was talking to somebody and was like, man, I'm telling you, the Xavier fans are all talking smack. This is huge. <laughs> he's like he's like all into it. Like It's the opening round of the tournament. These Xavier fans, I'm telling you what, they need to be put in their place. He's on the musky message boards? <laughs> yeah, he is. He's he's spinning all day on the Xavier you message know what? boards. One of my best You're friends... You're the fire, right? One of my best friends is a Xavier basketball fan, um, and he's chirping a little bit. So you know one thing I, about, I think Rob could be onto something. One thing about Xavier that I think is cool is... 
you know, another buddy, bingo card, Chris Prosser, went there and lives in the Cincinnati area still and is a huge Xavier fan. The thing I think is cool about Xavier is the people that go to school there are really supportive of their basketball team. Oh, and yeah. It's not like it's – I mean, obviously, they've been really good the last 10 or 15 years. But even when they were – you know, they came here, Xavier came – I think it was here in 90 and knocked out – I believe they knocked out Georgetown of the – I don't know why I'm thinking that was at the Dome, but I know it was in the 90 tournament they knocked out Georgetown. And that they were kind of like Butler was at that time, like a Cinderella story. And now they've, you know, it's, it's a really good program, obviously. Rob Whitaker, a distant cousin of Trisha? Uh, different spelling. Okay. Different spelling. You know the former Indiana Hoosier on the Xavier basketball team? Ooh. I should know this. Highly oh. rated recruit when he got to Bloomington. And now, first off, Paul Scruggs is no longer there, right? Gosh, it'd be like his 13th season. I but I like. think he just left last year, did he not? Yeah, it sounds right. They a couple big guys. Jack Nungie from Evansville is one of their better players. But uh, yeah, former Hoosier uh, gets in off the bench for Xavier. I know this. Hit me with it. Jerome Hunter. I, I should have known that. Now, he had that weird, was it leg like ailment? His freshman year, right? Yeah. His first year. Now... I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Demise Anderson. Do you remember him from the oh, South Bend sure. area? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, He yeah. went to Loyola. He transferred to Loyola. Uh-huh. And I think it would have been two seasons ago. It would have been two seasons ago. Randomly, I got a phone call, and they it was someone from like the sports corps saying, can you do play-by-play like tomorrow? And I was, what's going on? And they said Loyola and Richmond both had their games canceled due to COVID this weekend, but the coaches know each other, so they applied to the NCAA, and the NCAA said, you can play a makeup game against each other if you'd like. We already have a court set up for a tournament that took place at the convention center in Indianapolis. If both of you can go to Indianapolis, you can play on that court and play an officially sanctioned game. We'll bring officials in. Gosh, I'm so happy we're done with that. I know. And there was a TV deal with like NBC... DC or something so they called myself and Megan McEwen and were like can you guys do the play and literally Kevin this game was the two teams the two officials and Megan McEwen and I like in a corner hmm. and that that's was like it. a Notre Dame game that's <laughs> very like Notre Dame, similar yes. Indiana. very similar but Demise Anderson was with Loyola and never got off the bench I remember saying like oh well this is you know this would be cool like there's one guy that I can talk about that I know about never played and I don't think he lasted there either. I think he transferred from there. Really? You're like yelling at the coach. Can you get him in the game? That's right. He's got the one a few guy notes I know about. on him. I, I just, it, it goes to me to show that recruiting is a complete crapshoot. You just never know. I mean, people go so crazy over recruits, and I get the fact that you'd rather have somebody highly touted than not, but you just never know how it's going to work out. And then other players that you don't know a lot about show up, and they're fabulous. Speaking on the Indiana Hoosier, Jake Query, North Central Front. It'll be Eric Gordon and the Rockets hosting the Pacers tonight. Our coverage, 7.30, right here on the fan. How about the Indiana Pacers as a five-and-a-half-point road favorite? Shows you, A, how bad Houston is, and B, the Pacers are playing well. Over 500 now, and 3-12, and 12, the Rockets. Terrible. They're really bad. You know who else is bad, surprisingly, and I'm saying this just because it's somebody that you thought had kind of pulled ahead of the Pacers in terms of this particular season. How about Detroit? Yeah, they've got like they have three wins too. Yeah, they're they're really bad. They lost last night to the Clippers. You know, they're another one that that you didn't think was going to be in that race for a lottery pick. 
and they've gone in the opposite directions. The Pacers were the one that were supposed to be right now, like three and ten, and the Pistons were supposed to be over five hundred. And I'm a little disappointed. It'll be the Magic tomorrow. So the Pacers have a back-to-back at the Rockets tonight, home to the Magic tomorrow. It's their first back-to-back here in November. Uh, no Paulo Boncaro. Um, he's got an ankle injury. Uh, Bull Bull will be playing, though. Yeah, your guy Bull Bull. Um, yeah, security might need to hold you back tomorrow night inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It's, I actually just call him, especially just considering um, my recent developments intellectually, Bull Squared is what I call him. He should be number two. To be fair. <laughs> well, F. <laughs> oh, thank you. That was to Mr. Boncaro, right? <laughs> that, that, mm-hmm. that was to Mr. Boncaro, yeah. Uh, Pacers Magic twice coming up here Sunday and Monday, so unfortunately we won't get a Benedict Mather and Paulo Boncaro. Seem to be the two favorites for Rookie of the Year. Could Matherin win Rookie of the Year and Sixth Man of the Year? It's a really good question, except for that you would think that by the midpoint of the year he's not going to be a Sixth Man anymore, right? Or will Jamal Crawford win it or Lou Williams win it for the 37th straight year in a row? <laughs> That's right. Jamal Crawford is a candidate for comeback player of the year and sixth man of the year every single year, despite the <laughs> fact that he's not coming back from anything other than being a sixth man of the year. Uh, Reggie Wayne had some, I thought, interesting comments yesterday. Uh, basically, was like, if I would have been offered the job, head coaching job, hell yeah, I would have taken it. He said some other four-letter words that aren't, that's not hell that I can't say on these airwaves, but... Um, basically with Jeff Saturday, Reggie was adamant that leadership, accountability, and the leadership style is, I'm not afraid to get in your face. And if you suck, I'll say you suck, but if you're good, I'm going to put my arm around you as well. Um, and feels like most players and Reggie said himself as a player, like that leadership style, granted, that's probably not what Reggie had and either of his head coaches, and Tony Dungy and Jim Caldwell. Um, but Reggie says that is a leadership style that he thinks most NFL players like. I've got a couple of thoughts that we'll get to coming up on exactly that and the hesitations I would have if I was a player about Jeff Saturday. And I love Jeff Saturday. Reggie did have another interesting quote in there about Jeff Saturday and just kind of, do you think he'll want to do this permanently? And I thought it was kind of an insightful comment from... Reggie Wayne on that front. College football this weekend. I keep on forgetting that, like, Purdue and Minnesota. Minnesota's favorite. Again, it's Purdue Northwestern. Minnesota's hosting Iowa. Minnesota's favorite over Iowa. If those games play out like Vegas thinks they will, Purdue beats Northwestern, Minnesota beats Iowa, Purdue literally has to beat IU for the bucket next Saturday, and they will go to Lucas Oil State. Yeah. That will be a really cool Saturday in downtown Indianapolis. Totally. I And Purdue fans have had so much heartbreak with... The disappointment being that whoever comes out of the East, whether it be Michigan or Ohio State, is going to be a 17-point favorite. Sure, yeah. You honestly probably should just stay out, party downtown, and then go to bed about 8. <laughs> That's right. One of, the, one of the most fun times that I had downtown... I love, love... Downtown Indianapolis between next weekend and and like New Year's, it's just it's magical. Maybe that's like a childhood in me of like you know the holiday season and the Monument Circle and all that. But one of the most fun times I've had since we've done this show, Kevin, in terms of stuff that we've talked about, was when um, I was downtown last year, the night of the Big Ten championship game, and 
went into Kilroy's downtown, which was the Michigan bar. And it was all these Michigan fans, and they played Mr. Brightside. And the whole, and that was the first time I didn't realize the Mr. Brightside-Michigan connection. But everybody in the bar, somebody put it on you know, the, the overhead, and the whole bar started singing it, and everybody's going crazy because Michigan had just won the Big Ten title game and trying to figure out the college football playoffs and where's Michigan going to go. And I mean, it was, it, it was just so much fun, man. Like that whole, all of it. The the figuring out the Big Ten championship game and the crowds coming in and the different schools that are represented and the bars being packed. I love it. Everything about it's awesome. It's kind of like the Crossroads Classic on steroids in a way if your team is here. Right. I would agree with that. It's fun. So again, Purdue Northwestern, um, that is a noon kick. And then Minnesota, Iowa's at four. IU's got Michigan State uh, tomorrow. Notre Dame, senior day with Boston College. Uh, Greg Rakeshaw going to join us at 8 o'clock in semi-state night. 24 teams left in the state of Indiana. I believe eight of them reside in central Indiana. Big one in 6A, Cathedral Center Grove from Tech. One of my favorite spots to watch a football game, Tech High School tonight. Uh, that'll be Cathedral and Center Grove for a trip to go to the state HSC. And I think it's Fort Wayne Carroll, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that is the northern semi-state matt taylor voice of the colts going to join us at nine o'clock it is another chilly start to this friday morning here in indianapolis thanks for tuning in kevin and Corey, 93 5 1075 the fan the morning checkdown brought to you by ball state basketball get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan College basketball, you heard us talking about it tonight. It is Indiana and Xavier, that game in the Gavit Games. First off, let's take a look at what happened last evening in round ball at the collegiate level. Butler, 95-67 over St. Francis. Chuck Harris had 22. Eric Hunter Jr., the Purdue transfer, had 18 for the Dogs, who are now 2-1. and one. It was Indiana State, 101-75 over North Dakota State. Indiana State now 3-0 uh, and oh so far on the season. But again tonight... Southern Indiana in action, taking on Loris. Are you familiar with Loris? I don't know if it's like Laura Theobald and Laura Lynch. I don't know what Loris it is. Sounds like an old woman's name. <laughs> Who? Oh, it's Grandma Loris. Yeah. Division, made it to Thanksgiving. They're Division Three, taking on Southern Indiana tonight. Purdue-Fort Wayne. Isn't that now just Fort Wayne? Or are they back to Purdue-Fort Wayne? Yeah, we're going to have to clarify this. They're taking on Northwestern. Uh, Lipscomb at Notre Dame. You're Irish we at 3-0. and And then, Kevin, as we talked about, it's Indiana Xavier tonight at 6 o'clock, right? Yeah, true road game down there in Cincinnati. Here was Mike Woodson on that challenge for his bunch. You know, the road is different. You know, I mean, it's, you know, if you learn to handle your business and play well on the road, then it becomes contagious. Uh, but you got to do all of the necessary things to win on the road. It's, it's not easy winning on the road. And... You know, you can't turn it over. You know, where we had problems early last season, you know, we were in a, every road game and led in a lot of the road games, but our turnovers cost us early on. Um, key rebounds here and there, a missed defensive assignment here and there. You know, those are all the things that, you know, we have to clean up this year to be a great team on the road. Can I you a favor by two and a half, six o'clock tip there from Cincinnati? Mike Woodson sounds like he, he always sounds like he just woke up. 
Sounds like he could use a lozenge. I feel like him and Tom Allen should combine on maybe some NIL throat loss. You know, again. actually, if you took Tom Allen's... Or honey. If you took his speed of speech and Mike Woodson's speed of speech... It would be you'd happy have, medium, you'd right? You'd have normal speed yeah. of mm-hmm. speech. Left right. lane versus far that's, right lane. We're correct. now in the middle lane Mike here. Woodson's just hanging out with the blinkers Autobahn on, right? Autobahn versus grandma, you know, <laughs> yeah, talking on uh, NFL last night, Tennessee over Green Bay, 27-17. Packers do suck. They're 4-7 and seven now. Titans at 7-3. and three. Ryan Tannehill. 333 yards and two touches through the air. Derrick Henry, 87 with a touchdown run, and he threw. A t- he was two for two through the air. That was a great design play. Well, he got like right into the line of scrimmage before throwing that to Austin Hooper. He's yeah. done that before, right? I, I would assume. I feel like they've run that play before. Yeah. Hooper had a big touchdown there in the second half. Um, so yeah, He's Tennessee now player too. seven and three on the season. Uh, all right, the Colts injury report from yesterday. We are monitoring some illness over there on West 56th Street. Uh, three defensive starters did not practice due to in, or due to illness. Kenny Moore's now missed two days in a row. Isaiah Rogers and Zaire Franklin out yesterday. Jelani Woods, the rookie tight end, did not practice either. Um, DeForest Buckner did get back to work. So I think something to keep uh, an eye on as the final practice of the week is here for the Colts. Again, the Eagles. Uh, did you see the move they made yesterday, Jake? In Dominican Sue, right? Dominican Sue, one day after Linval Joseph, two veteran defensive linemen. Um, talked about it on yesterday's show. We'll continue to chat about it. This is a team that got beat up, particularly on the defensive line, Monday night. Um, so they are trying to get some reinforcements in that building. And don't forget they had Robert Quinn, too. In the yeah, they trade. added Robert so Quinn in the trade deadline. Additions. So, yeah, they have got some older vets on that D-line. Going to rotate a lot of bodies in, and we'll see how that matchup goes on Sunday. Run game. By the way, uh, we don't know if it's Cotter or Qatar. Depends on who you ask. I say Cotter. What do you say, Mark? we got to ask Cutter. Rake that when he joins us what here. What do you go with? You? Cutter. Cutter, okay. Kevin? Are you a Qatar guy? Or? I think I'm a Qatar. Qatar, but that might be my Indiana. So you go Qatar uh, hero. You go Cutter, you said? Yeah. I'm going to go Cotter. Either way, hosting the World Cup and the controversy now brewing, pardon the pun, uh, no alcohol sales at games themselves despite $75 million, you said, Mark Wright, and sponsorship money from Budweiser, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. So that's off to a roaring start in, in Cutter, Qatar. U.S. and Wales, Qatar. correct, on Monday? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the big one next Friday, a week from today, against England. We'll actually talk to Greg Rakeshaw a little bit about that coming up at 8 o'clock. Again, tonight, Pacers and Rockets, 7.30. Our coverage begins. Pacers are a five-and-a-half-point favorite against the 3-12 and 12 Houston Rockets. Colts, Eagles, tomorrow, one, or excuse me, Sunday, 1 o'clock. We'll chat more about that next here on Kevin and Corey. 16 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock on a Friday. And actually, don't look now. But do I see Mark as you look to your left? For those that are unfamiliar in our studio, Mark would be facing slightly to the southeast. I, I face basically to the northwest, Kevin to the northeast. Do I do you see a little bit, Mark, of a, Mr. A Sun? Hue of sunshine? Mr. Sun might be coming out a little bit. Mr. I see the Riley here, right? Towers for the first time since Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting a tree ready on Monument Circle. Week from tonight. Yeah. Circle of lights, baby. Pacers Nets, 8 o'clock tip. Week from so, tonight. A uh, good couple week stretch lined up before us, and that includes the Colts and the Eagles, the 9 and 1 Eagles. Now, is it 8 and 1 or 9 and 1? Uh, I think 8 and eight. 1. The yeah. one loss Eagles coming into Indianapolis. And interesting comments yesterday. We touched on it earlier, Kevin, but Reggie Wayne 
um, gave some interesting comments about the coaching changes that took place here within the Colts organization. Yeah, there's kind of two different Jeff Saturday-related comments that I thought were particularly interesting from Reggie yesterday. We'll start with just what has Jeff brought, and this kind of falls in line to what Paris Campbell shared with us earlier in the week, but I'll read this quote here from Reggie Wayne yesterday on Jeff Saturday. Uh, And I quote, his leadership, that's huge, holding guys accountable. Not saying that Frank didn't have these things, because I think Frank had them also. They just do them in different ways. Jeff's not afraid to go in your face and tell you, that play, you sucked. Not every player can handle that, but as a former player myself, if I suck, I want somebody to tell me. I don't want to put bad film on tape. I think in that regard, most players will respect that. And Jeff's not afraid to challenge guys that way, end quote. So again, that falls in line, I think, with the Paris Campbell comments we heard with us. I thought the other thing that Wayne said yesterday, and this gets more into his relationship with Jeff, um, he was asked basically, you know, do you think Jeff would want to do this permanently? And one of the first things Reggie said was, the Jeff that I know likes to be at home. So maybe that's changed, maybe it hasn't. We'll obviously play the season out and see what happens, but um, I thought it was just a reminder of, I mean, Jeff Saturday at some point is going to have to ask himself if he wants to do this too. Sure, the Colts and Jim Mersey will have a decision to make on their end. I think knowing Jim Mersey and his emotional attachment to Jeff Saturday, I think um, he will give the benefit of the doubt to Jeff if he wants to do this and will offer him some sort of role in the organization. Um, again, about a month and a half left in the season. we got a lot to play out with that. But I don't know about you, Jake, but you know, this time last week, I was mentioning I think it's kind of 50-50. Jeff Saturday is 50% consultant right now, and he's 50% I want to see if I can be a head coach in the NFL. I'm starting to kind of shift my 50-50 pie to a little bit more heavily weighted, this is a legit, legit head coaching opportunity. And I think he likes it. Again, will he like it after six more weeks of the grind and away from his family? We'll see. Uh, But I know Jim Mercer likes it and likes it a lot. Okay, two things that I'm going to offer strictly as counterpoints. I don't believe or have no reason to believe either of them is necessarily true. But two areas, if you were going to proceed with caution, Kevin, okay? When I was a freshman in college, I went to the University of Kansas. I pledged a fraternity immediately. Before school even began, I was living in a fraternity house, and we were there for three weeks before classes began doing the ridiculous things that pledges are asked to do, getting up, cleaning the house, doing yard work, whatever else. That's neither here nor there in terms of the legitimacy of why I went through that. But nonetheless, my pledge class and I, in this case, would be like, say, the team, the Colts team, were going through all of that stuff. It wasn't necessarily fun. I guess it's designed to to bond you, whatever. But once the semester began, then the actual process of what what's called rush at the university began – And long story short, we got two new Pledge Brothers like six weeks into our experience. So we'd been going through all the motions and getting up early and doing everything. And then these two guys all of a sudden just show up. And I remember one time like 
words were exchanged, scuffle broke out, whatever. And the narrative was like, look, man, we you know what we've been through and you guys just showed up and we're supposed to like embrace you and make you and, and like you don't know what we've had to go through for the last three months and now you're just going to show up and act like you're part of us. And there was a resentment there. Now, in terms of Jeff Saturday, I think it speaks a lot to Jeff Saturday in terms of his immediate character and credibility that that doesn't appear to be the case. But if things don't go well, Kevin, I think that there is the possibility that you're going to have that sentiment among the roster of like, look, man, like we've been here since, where were you? When when we were getting up at eight o'clock in the morning and we were going out doing you know wind sprints in the August heat of Grand Park, like you were doing ESPN, man, you had your cush gig in the air conditioning. Where have you been? I don't think that that is necessarily a legitimate point, but it's but I know from experience that those things that those resentments can exist, and that would be my hesitation number one if things don't go well on how that could backlash and then Saturday faces a challenge in his unifying the roster. I'll interject just quickly and think Jeff Saturday does not have freshman fraternity rush ego. I I get that. And I get I'm not saying Saturday, but I'm saying the rest of the roster. And I get there's a human element, but I think Jeff Saturday presented himself right away last Wednesday of a very like he was aware of that. Transparent guys, I I I know the elephant in the room. Yeah, no, I I get get how this looks. Um, and I think that that immediate, you know, th- that first impression, first impressions last. Um, I do think Jeff made it really strong. Now, to your point, Jake, if things you know start to trend in a different direction, win loss standpoint, that's going to influence something. Now, the second thing is this: there has already been backlash. Is the wrong word? I roll or one eye focused on the process by which Jeff Saturday was selected as the interim coach of the Indianapolis Colts. You, you're going to hear the word and the term Rooney rule a lot. Understandably so. That's a, le- that's a rule within the National Football League that in a coaching hire, you have to hire at least two minority candidates in the process. Interview. What did I say? I'm sorry. A hire. I'm sorry. Interview. Yes. Interview throughout the hiring process. That does not exist. That rule does not apply to interim hires. Jim Irsay knows the rules. And Jim Irsay hired Tony Dungy, the first African-American Super Bowl winning coach in NFL history. And then Jim Irsay hired Jim Caldwell as the replacement for Tony Dungy. So Jim Irsay knows the rules. And Jim Irsay, I don't think there's any concern about Jim Irsay not following said rules. But... It's one thing to hire Jeff Saturday as an interim because the Rooney rule does not exist. But there is going to be, Kevin, and I'm not saying the Colts need to, to surrender to this, I'm, but there's already been apparently one group that is looking into the process by which Jeff Saturday was selected as the interim. If he is, in fact, kept on as the head coach and hired full-time, they're going to have to go through the interview process anyway, not just for minority candidates, but just in general to give themselves as wide a scope as possible. But if he is selected as the head coach, then I do think you're going to have people that are going to say, yeah, they went through the window dressing, but come on, man, this was the fix was in from the beginning on this deal and yada, yada, and there's going to be 
some percolating discussion about that. Yeah, there certainly will, but I do think Jim Mercer's track record um, speaks for itself. I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, yeah. I'm simply playing devil's advocate right. here. I totally agree with that. Yeah, and I understand that, and clearly it looks like, you know, it, it, I don't even think it looks like Jim Mercer did play favorites, you know, with this initial hire. And again, we'll see how it plays out. Something I want to get into a little bit later, Jake, you've been, you know, for several weeks now, the Colts are going to beat the Eagles. Curious if that is more just undefeated team has to lose at some point sort of feeling the Colts win these sorts of games or if there's a little bit more to the specific matchup Colts versus Eagles and why your belief is there. Mark, you said the line is back up to a full touchdown. Yep. Yep, Eagles seven point favorites. So it's gone eight and a half to six and a half, and then what do we think? Maybe Indominus Sue and Linvald Joseph has pushed maybe, it up to maybe. a touchdown again. Pushed the Colts seven. injury report, few more names on it due to illness. So we'll see how that plays out with kickoff a little bit over forty eight hours away. A uh, lot to get to with Greg Gregstraw next. Semi state night around the state here again. The state finals. I got begin my team. I'm all in on a week from time. Any of your team still alive? No, unfortunately. You went with three of them this year, right? Shelbyville, Short Ridge, and North Central are all on the sidelines, but that's okay. North Central's looking for a new head coach, right? They are. Um, they got to go. Actually, I think the head coach is staying on until December to help with that process, I, what, for whatever that means. Kevin, o, Kevin O'Shea, is that his name? I think that's right. Um, but yes, North Central looking for a new head coach. But Short Ridge, Shelbyville, they're all, this wasn't the year that they wanted to shock the world. All of them back next year with a vengeance. Good, yeah. Tapping <laughs> on the transfer portal. That's right. That's right. And, and uh, Matthew from Maine, he says that it is Qatar. He deals with that, that, that oh, that's part right. of the country. He, correct. Matthew. Uh, that, that part of the world, I okay. should say. So we'll talk to Greg Gregstraw about what NFL team will Greg Gregstraw compare the United States men's soccer team to? That's my question for him. Okay. Do we have any guesses? Mark's thinking hard. Well, I was trying to think of a team that's not going to be very good. I, I was like, could the U.S. be like the Cincinnati Bengals from last year? Or is that very wishful thinking that's by me? That's very wishful thinking. I'm going to say the United States in the World Cup is, or are, which which is it with soccer? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, I think it's R, which just sounds so weird. Denver Broncos. Oof. Oof. Miami Dolphins? Ooh. No. Oh. That's that's Tua um, that's going above expectations, I'd say. Okay. Maybe the Jaguars. Oh god. They get a couple Man. they get a couple okay. wins, but Arizona Cardinals. Gosh, the optimism here is not Arizona need, Cardinals by the let's fact go get that get a like, Tony Katz scarf. Depending on who you think who you ask, some people say really good, other people say no chance. So Greg Gregstraw joins us next. All right, Greg Gregstraw. He joins us every Friday at 8 o'clock. As always, a ton to get to with Rake, but we've got to start with the World's Game. Once every four years, the World Cup, the United States, takes to the pitch in Qatar. Am I saying that right, Rake? Is it Qatar? I have heard both. I say it. I pronounce it as Qatar, so close enough. Okay. Um, The question that I had for you, and I'm not sure if you were listening before the break, uh, could you compare the United States men's national team entering this World Cup and their expectations to a current NFL team and their season so far? That's a a good one. 
Can I come back to that at the end of the segment to give myself some time so I'll be thinking of something else while you ask me other questions? Is that okay? Gosh, your ability to multitask is unbelievable. Uh, yes, and we do have a few in the YouTube chat that have offered up some suggestions. All right, so give, give me some of the suggestions, and I'll see if I can agree or debunk them. Go ahead. Okay, um, the New England Patriots, this was from, who was it in here? Joel, maybe? Saying that they are a balanced team, can compete with anyone, but not an elite team. The New England Patriots have way too much of a track record of success to be the U.S. men's national team. I'm sorry. So it can't be the Patriots. Jeez, oh, boy. Um, Jake, who did you say? Arizona? The Cardinals? Arizona Cardinals. Young team that has some talent and this specific group, while they have delivered with some important wins in CONCACAF, like the Nations League final, like the Gold Cup final, haven't delivered on the world stage, so there might be some merit to the Arizona Cardinals comparison. Okay, what about how about Colts? last last twenty years New York Jets? I think the U.S. Men's National has actually had more success than the last twenty years New York Jets, having made the quarterfinals in two thousand two, having reached the group stage in two thousand ten and two thousand fourteen. Then again, the the butt fumblers did at least make you know, like an AFC championship game or two. Okay. I, I would still think that U.S. men's national team greater than sign New York Jets. Really? I, I That's surprising to me, Rake, you would say that. Yeah, yeah. So I expe- haven't seen the instances of any butt fumbles from the U.S. men's <laughs> national team, though. So uh, Expectations should be where? Like, can we get out of the group? England, can, Wales, yes. Iran, um, or Iran. I, I, I think uh, Iran uh, is how you, know, you should Iran, say that. Iran, thank you. Uh, um, but anyway... Um, <laughs> If, if they can beat Wales or even draw with Wales, they've got a shot. So I, I think the first match is the most important one. England's going to be really difficult. Now, the last time the U.S. and England played, it was the 2010 World Cup. Uh, played to a 1-1 draw. Um, England's frankly a better team now than they were 12 years ago. They've got a, a great dynamic surge of young talent on their squad, much like the U.S. has. But all those guys play at the Premier League and, and typically have been playing in kind of more important positions, even though the U.S. now has players at bigger clubs than they've ever had anywhere else in the world. Uh, That's going to be tough. Have to beat Iran. Last time they played Iran in the World Cup, 1998, it was the last game of the group stage. U.S. knew they couldn't qualify for for, for, for the knockout rounds and got beat and basically finished as the 32nd team out of 32 back in France in 1998. So I think this group is 50-50, maybe a little below that because Wales is pretty good too. Um, but if they can get a result against Wales on Monday, they got a really good shot. Okay, <clears throat> I finally got it. You ready? Yes. The 21st century San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers. Again, there is something to that. That is a pretty good comparison. Like you kind of every year you're like, this is the year they're going to make noise, and they're they're good, but they don't get as far as people think. But occasionally, yep, Belgium, you know, for example, they'll they'll have some game where. You know they they hang around, right? Who was it that um, in twenty twelve? Who was it the U.S. beat that, or they were level with that was the big surprise? Um, Belgium eliminated them, right? Yeah, Tim Portugal. Was it, it was Portugal, right? Yeah, I'm trying to make twenty fourteen would have been the year they got out of the group of death. Or twenty fourteen. Um, so Portugal was they, who they, they tied, had right? Portugal beat, and Ronaldo had a late header. That's right. To 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 at least you know put that match on level terms. Got beat by Germany, but managed to keep this, managed to get the goal differential intact where they could advance on to the next round. 
and then a really good Belgium team they took to extra time that eventually got eliminated by Belgium in extra time. You know, the one thing I know about that Belgium team is it's hard to get anything straight at them because they waffle a lot. That's the one thing I know about them. Uh, Greg, Monrovia is like 6-7, and seven and they're in the quarter, they're in the semifinals here for the football uh, championships this weekend. Going to be a cold night tonight, but a fun night in high school football. But I'm intrigued by Monrovia just because the record jumps out at you. What's been the difference? Uh, it's a great question. Um, you know, being healthy is one thing. Having a team that, that plays a really good schedule in the Indiana Crossroads Conference is another. Um, so those things, you know, clearly have a hand in it. Um, probably a better team than the record would indicate, but simply a team that got hot at the right time. They also had some upsets in, in the other half of the bracket. Uh, two best teams in their sectional were likely Western Boone and Tri-West, and Danville knocked off both of those two teams the first two weeks. And then Monrovia got Danville in the sectional championship. But a combination of factors, and while it's going to be a tough ask to go beat Lawrenceburg, who has won 11 consecutive games and has barely been allowing points the last 11 weeks, they beat an undefeated team last week in Owen Valley. And so if Monrovia can do that, they got a shot to win in Lawrenceburg tonight, too. Uh, Greg Gregshaw with us, ISC Sports Network, obviously Colts postgame show host as well. Uh, where will you be tonight, Rick? So my game, I'm taking a walk down memory lane. I'm going to do Ron Colley in East Central. Ooh. This is the fifth time that these two schools have met for a semi-state championship. All of them have been in St. Leon in southeastern Indiana. And I did the call of the game for Ron Colley 19 years ago a game that is still discussed on both sides to this day. It's known as the two-point conversion game. Ron Colley was trailing 29-28 in the first overtime, hit an extra point, roughing the kicker penalty. Ron Colley sends their offense on the field, takes the points off the board. They go for the win from one yard out. Tim Sergi, goal line plunge. You literally have to start pulling bodies off the pile closest referee or official to it signals two-point conversion is good. The folks from East Central don't think he made it in. The folks from Ron Colley think they do, or they simply say, well, referee called it, that's close enough. Ron Colley won 30-29 and went on to cruise against East Noble in the state championship the next week. That was the second of three consecutive state titles under Bruce Cyphers back then. So this is almost like Ben Davis and Penn, about 15, 20 years ago, it's turned into a rivalry. Even though the schools are not close to each other, they're separated by 74 miles. It's gotten to a point where it's a rivalry so much so that they try to play each other in the regular season. And so these two teams played in week number nine. Ron Colley won that game by two. So this should be really a, a, a good football game. Two teams that love to run the football. I think it's going to be physical. I think it's going to move quick. And I have no idea who's going to win that game uh, down at St. Leon tonight. And that's the stadium you see uh, from 74, right? That is the stadium. As you're heading to Cincinnati, you, you, you see the Batesville kind of athletic complex 15 miles earlier. You absolutely see the stadium at East Central. Exit 164, State Road 1, on your way to Lawrenceburg. Okay, my Irish tonight. I, first off, I love Tech High School as a uh, venue um, yeah. to watch a high school football game, so thrilled to see it's there. Center Grove and Cathedral. Uh, boy, after last week, Cathedral, well, I guess Center Grove had a challenge with Warren as well. Cathedral got enough in the tank, you think? Well, I think they do. I think both teams are on level footing, and obviously it's also a rematch. Just like Ron Colley East Central is a rematch of week number nine, so too is Cathedral and Center Grove. 
Cathedral State did this massive comeback to hand Center Grove their first loss to a team from Indiana in three years. Um, again, I, I don't think there's any way to truly prognosticate this because I think the two teams are so even. Probably think there's a little more talent um, at the top end on on Cathedral, probably a little more depth for one to 22 on Center Grove. And so by moving it to Tech, um, it takes kind of field conditions out of it. Um, Cathedral's put a lot of money into Arlington uh, to, to, to make that a, a better playing surface, but it's still grass compared to turf. And frankly, because you move to Tech, there's a lot more people that can actually go to the game. And I expect that atmosphere to be insane just east of downtown later tonight. Greg, I heard a couple of people ask, or a couple of people asked me actually, be because the weather turned so quickly in the last week and suddenly we went from like, you know, fairly warm to just flat out cold outside. There was some, a couple of people asked me like, Hey, is there any way the IHSA would move games from Friday night to playing in the daytime on Saturday? Now that seems a moot point because tomorrow is going to be just as cold in the daytime as it's going to be tonight. And it's actually looking like a pretty nice night out. But am I correct in saying this is unusually cold for the the state semis or is it like this every year and we just forget no it's it's hit and miss like again i'll go back to that run kyle east central game in 19 years ago temperature in the 60s that afternoon he's kind of got a rare warm semi-state there have been semi-state rounds played in the snow i think back to five years ago we had a cold front come through there was a handful of saturday games that year because usually when the evansville schools have to come up and play in the indianapolis area they will always ask for a Saturday game. When the Indy schools go to Evansville, it normally goes the other way around. Well, anyway, um, Saturday afternoon, there was a, a cold front that came through. Like, literally, there was a storm delay at the IU game that afternoon. There were several storm delays in some of the games that started, like, were early kickoffs on Saturday. I happen to have Danville and Evansville Memorial the, the storm had kind of blew through beforehand, but but so there was no lightning in the area. But there were these walls of water and like 30 and 40 mile an hour winds. And it was one of the worst two weather conditions I've ever had to call a football game in and, and had a dramatic impact as to what each of those two teams, you know, could do offensively. So it, this round of the tournament, sometimes it can be cold, sometimes it can be warm. It is very volatile, hit and miss as to what the weather can be. But it, it's not going to be, um, you know, maybe the coldest semi-state on record. There's been worse weather conditions than we'll play in tonight. Love these comments in the YouTube chat. Rake Strauss' memory is unbeaten. Dude is a steel <laughs> trap. <laughs> Say it convincingly, people will believe you. Greg Rakestraw's with us here. Again, IC Sports Network, Ron Colley, East Central, shifting gears to Sunday. That climate will be controlled inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Rake, I've been saying all week long, when you look at where the Eagles were at um, this time last week and just how beat up they were Monday, I feel like I'm a little bit more optimistic about this one than I was a week ago. Again, knowing what happened on Monday, and now it's a short week, they're kind of scrambling, making some moves on their defensive line. And I feel like you exit Sunday. Granted, the opponent was the Raiders, but that was probably the best I felt about the Colts' offense all year. I think this is a very pivotal game. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you go, well, hey, it's, it's, it's maybe one of the best teams the Colts are going to play on their schedule. And I'm not saying I feel any differently about the Eagles in terms of their quality of team. This is they suffered a loss for the first time. Now, do I think the commanders offered the Colts 
a blueprint as to how to play that game with 49 rushes? Absolutely, I do. I think it will be a heavy dose of Jonathan Taylor until the Eagles prove that you know that, that they can stop it. Um, but because of everything that transpired the week before last week's game, the result that we saw, I now think that this game will kind of dictate what the rest of the year looks like for this football team. You know, if the Eagles come in and just thump the Colts, we'll kind of go back to the same old Colts, and we'll kind of be, all right, this is still a very flawed football team, and they're now two games under five hundred with six games left to play. You saw how good Tennessee looked. Again, the division is likely gone at this point regardless. This kind of further cements, all right, you're probably really playing for 2023. After last week, there is a flicker of hope that you're still playing for 2022. And so if this team can get a win at home against the Eagles, who are a very good team but not an unbeatable team, now we have a completely different outlook over the course of the six, last six games, even though there's a lot more good teams than bad teams remaining on that schedule for the Colts in those last six games. If they can get a win here, now we're talking about still trying to eke out maybe that last playoff spot in the AFC. You know, Kevin, you mentioned this earlier, and I, we failed to get to it. Greg, I want your thought on this. I've been saying for like a month that Philly was going to come in here and get beat. Yep. But at that time, I was saying it assuming Philly was unbeaten and that they would come in because there just seems to be something about, and maybe this is true of a lot of franchises, I don't know. The Colts are the one that I cover. And typically there are games where the Colts have an opponent, you know, Kansas City or a couple of years ago going into or, or taking on New England here, you know, whatever it might be. They seem to beat teams and be like spoiler a lot where you just kind of write them off and they hang around and kind of give you almost like a false hope that they've gotten things turned around. And I just felt like everything was set up for Philly to come in here and stub their toe. My concern, though, Greg, is that coming off of the loss, we're going to find out. That's either going to send Philly into another direction like it did Arizona a year ago, or it was Philly's wake-up call and the Colts are in real trouble. To me, And, and let's face it, we are also giving the time of the year where you start to do some scoreboard watching. And as much as coaches go, nah, we're worried about this game, and now we're worried about this team, there's this thing called the internet. You guys can, can, can figure this stuff out. Um, because of being one by in, in both conferences now for the number one seed, well, the Eagles are tied on record um, you know, with the Vikings. Because of how surprisingly good the NFC East is, uh, the fact that Washington's the worst team, they're five and five. You know, the Cowboys, where I think are six and three after their loss, the Giants are seven and two. You know, there's not exactly a lot of cushion between Philly and the teams behind them in terms of not only being maybe playing for the home seed, but frankly playing for a home game. Um, and so, you know, the, the 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 fire has been turned up a little bit because of that loss. So. Um, there is one to prove kind of to the NFL world, hey, we're still the best team in the National Football League because they were deservedly getting those plaudits going into last week's game. But also, you've got a very competitive division race. probably going to go all the way down to the last weekend or two of the season. So there's external motivation and a couple of different factors for the Eagles to pick it back up Sunday afternoon at Lucas Oil. Rick, last one for me. Kind of wrapping our... World Cup chatter at the top with 
you know, a topic that hasn't gotten a ton of play this week, but could here in a few weeks. Better chance the United States makes it out of their group in the World Cup, or the Purdue Boilermakers are playing for a Big Ten championship at Lucas Oil Stadium uh, in what two weeks? I think it's Purdue. And, and, and again, let, let's go to the group that Purdue is in. You've got Northwestern and IU. You've got the Bingo Free Space Society coming up the next <laughs> few weeks of, of, of the season. And I know that you have gone through the permutations. Iowa has to lose basically to Minnesota, right? That, right. That, Minnesota uh, or Nebraska. Minnesota being the you know more likely. Exactly. Um, and so, again, I think I think USA's chances are. 40-60 in terms of getting out of a group. 40% they get out, 60% they don't. I think for Purdue, it's like 75-25. And I know that losing to Northwestern or IU would be like the most Purdue thing ever. I, I get that. I know the history of stepping on the banana peel. I understand it completely. But I think Purdue's got the better chance of playing in the Big Ten championship game. Greg, my last question then would be this. And I know that neither one of us certainly knows this. This is conjecture but if indiana goes another year where they start out you know first month and a half unbeaten and then don't win a game and lose like nine straight to finish the year does tom allen's buyout save him or does he does in fact that conversation start taking place amongst the people that have the influence for it to take place about again i think the big difference is boosters are willing to commit money towards a buyout or as Tom would say towards the and the you know name image and likeness program uh, you can pick figure out which direction that money should flow to help boost up the Indiana University program um, but I'm not sure that money is there for football that's there for basketball right if something goes haywire with a basketball hire you can make about five or six phone calls and that money is going to be found I don't know that same passion exists for football so to your larger point, do I do I think the, the buyout that Tom has means he's back as the football coach here next year? I do. I do too. Um, and, and Greg, the thing to me that's astounding is Indiana seems to be overzealous and willing to do what they have to when they get any sign of life out of a football coach, but then they don't think about the fact that that money also would be necessary. In other words, they have the money to lock a guy down, but they don't seem to have the money then – to make a change when it's needed. And, and I would almost say it's almost kind of a bit of a shell game, too. And, you know, the Indiana's credit, and there's obviously television money, Big Ten Network money, uh, that has played a factor in this. But just as, I, I wouldn't even say Indiana has caught up in terms of the facilities arms race, because they're never going to have the big outs, they're never going to have the horseshoe. But, you know, they made Memorial Stadium, you know, a lot better and made the weight facilities a lot better um, and, and, frankly, made them you know, much more power five quality than Mac quality, which is what it really was before, if, if, if not even that level. But as soon as you do that, now we're in this whole entire new world where the arms race is picked up and it's not just about facilities. It's straight about the Benjamins. It's about what you can legally pay players. And that's even further divided Indiana has between what they can do and, 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 and what others in the conference can do. So, um, do I think I, I know your stance on Tom Allen, and I'm not so sure I disagree with it, but I also think there's some other extenuating circumstances in that just as Indiana thought they had it figured out, the game changed on them, and, and now they're to some degree back to square one. You going to La Rosa's in Batesville tonight? 
The debate is going to be, is it Skyline when we get there and LaRose is on the way back? Is it LaRose is on the way down? And married to a Cincinnati girl and having spent a year and a half living in Cincy and commuting back to Indy on a regular basis, I can tell you Batesville is the official gateway to Cincinnati. Like Greensburg is really an extension of Indianapolis, even like all of their rivalries are kind of to the southeast in the Eastern Indiana Conference in which East Central is a part but when you drive down to Batesville and this, and you literally from the interstate can see La Rosa's and Skyline, you officially hit Cincinnati at that point. Now it's Queen City heaven at that point, right? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Again, Greg Rakestraw tonight, ISC Sports Network, Ron Colley, and East Central for a trip for the state championship there, 5A state championship, or 4A state championship 4A. Yes, sir. Um, there. Rake, as always, thank you, my man. I'll see you in the press box on Sunday. You got it, fellas. Take care. That's Greg Rakestraw right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Time for a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. College basketball, not the Ball State variation last night, but Butler 95-67 over St. Francis. The Dogs now 2-1. and one. Chuck Harris had 22. Eric Hunter Jr. 18. For Thad Mata's group, Indiana State 101-75 winners over North Dakota State. Sycamores are now 3-0 in terms of the schedule for tonight. Notre Dame hosting Lipscomb. That's a 7 o'clock tip. It's Southern Indiana at 8 o'clock taking on Loris. We're still not sure exactly where that Division Three school is. Uh, but I'm going to guess it's in, uh, what, Illinois. Mark, Just you got to guess? Local nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> they uh they they're out of the crestwood conference yeah, a right? lot of zone a lot a lot of zone defense <laughs> northwestern and purdue fort wayne eight o'clock tonight and indiana and xavier the big one that game tips at six o'clock pregame can be heard on this station right beginning at sister sister station uh, 5 p.m sorry wibc our sister i'm looking at the board up there and i can't get your glasses on well no it's the glare Thursday night football last night. Jim Mercer had to be shaking his head watching the Titans continue to do what the Titans have done for now several seasons. They beat the Packers 27-17. Packers suck! Jake, I kind of forget the Titans started 0-2. That is, I mean... They've won 7 of 8. This the is only what they loss, do, is it not? The only loss is in overtime. I mean, literally, Arrowhead. like a Thanksgiving tradition is Cowboys and Lions playing games and then mentioning at the table that the Titans have won 7 of 8, right? Just all these kind of slugfest-type games. Last night, they had a little bit more of an aerial attack. Tannehill threw for over 300, uh, but they control that game from start to finish. Derrick Henry threw a touchdown pass to Austin Hooper. So, again, Tennessee 7-3 and three now on the season. It's if such you're... a quiet 7-3. and three. Like It's gone yeah, so yeah. under the radar. Even though they're in the division of the Colts, it's just like, whoa. Yeah, they have had major injuries. Major injuries, and here they are, 7-3 and three, and in all likelihood – will win another AFC second. Uh The Colts injury report has got some illness on it. That would be Zaire Franklin missing practice due to that yesterday. Isaiah Rogers. Kenny Moore's missed two days due to illness. It's certainly going around. I saw Buffalo had, I think, five or six guys out uh, due to an illness. Again, this is not COVID, um, but this will be something to monitor as the Colts get ready for the final practice of the week. And it does look like Quiddy Pay uh, will not be playing here coming up on Sunday. Uh, Brendan King's second choice for school was Loris. He chose Butler instead. It's in Dubuque, Iowa. Really? Yep. What do you think their nickname is? I'm going to go with the Lancers. Mark? Mm, Knights. Knights, Saints. not a bad call. 
Saints. <laughs> Laura How do you spell Saints, that name? Sure. L O R A S. It just sounds like Lancers would work, right? Here we go. Loris College. It's a Division three school. It's a Catholic liberal arts school. Uh, Can you did, imagine did Brendan, somebody, did Brendan somebody King say, on the call for Loris basketball? Did somebody say Saints? Yeah. Okay, hang on. They've got a, an attractive gal on their website, on the little homepage. <laughs> Dustin says Whoa! it's his alma mater, the Dewhawks. <laughs> the, the what? The Dew what? <laughs> Am I saying that right, Dustin? <laughs> well, that may, if they're in Dubuque, did they, they, oh my they were the Hawks, and they're like, well, we already have Hawk, Iowa Hawkeyes. Dustin's so bio. So we'll just add the D-U in front of it? I am a Loris Dewhawk 12 <laughs> alum. Wow. My husband to a beautiful wife, father to a beautiful daughter. How about that? The Dewhawks? I love it, Dustin. Yeah, it says D-U-H-A-W-K. So wait a minute. So so basically, they wanted to be the Hawks, but Iowa already had the Hawkeyes, so they just took the DU from Dubuque and made themselves the Dewhawks? Is that how that works? God, look at this picture here. This is Corey, a listener. Um, this is his sister in Buffalo. Look how much snow they, they got here. I mean, maybe they just like... There's a reason they moved the Bills game, Kevin. Maybe they like pulled like a, you know... The community and some guys like the hawk. <laughs> I think mean, he said the hawk. Boy, I couldn't agree more with this tweet from Brian. Do you think Greg Rakestraw gets the most W twos in Indiana? That's so true. We Rake. should ask him next time he's on. Yeah, Rake's. How many W twos do you fill out, Rake? Thirteen of them. Uh, Pacers tonight in Houston. Seven thirty. Our coverage right here on the fan. That's uh, the Rockets to me and you. A five and a half point favorite. I still every time like I see the Rockets show up on the schedule, I'm like, how is Eric Gordon still there? Greg Gumbel went to Loris. Shouldn't Eric Gordon be on a contender? Also known as the brother of Bryant. What's that? Shouldn't Eric Gordon be on a contender, not a tank team? I hate to say this, Kevin. I know he's a North Central Panther. I've always felt like Eric Gordon is the classic 2025 guy. 20 a game on 25 win teams his entire career. But I mean, can he help out a contender? I think Eric Gordon's one of those guys that's a good scorer. I don't know that he makes anybody else better. I think shooting and ability to come off the bench, be a bit of a microwave guy. Uh, I don't know. Surprising to me on that front. All right, we'll continue the Colts and Eagles conversation and some other appointment television tonight outside of Indiana, the Pacers, Notre Dame, Lipscomb um, that I wanted to hit on as well. And voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, joins us at 9. Jake, probably one of those nights where people will happily turn on the fire and Get on the couch and watch some television. Um, again, you've got a variety of things. I use Xavier at six. You've got Pacers and Rockets at eight. Uh, dead to me. New season launched last night. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we should go down that road again. Yeah. What's that? I don't think we should go down that road. Jake's again. gonna have a Dahmer party over that, his place that, tonight. That conversation came up yesterday. We kind of derailed at the end of the show. <laughs> no, that, I, I've that moved you. on. I don't think we should bring it up. <laughs> but you know you. what? I am gonna bring up the guy that we did in the show talking about yesterday, which led us down to. Mark literally wishing death upon my grandma. No, 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 no death was wished. <laughs> it's a Jake, characterization. Tonight at 9 o'clock on NFL Network is the football life for Edron James. I uh, was fortunate to see a sneak peek of it. Watched it last night. Just an awesome, awesome watch. Set your DVRs for it. Um, was it an hour? Yeah. It's an hour long. The, those football lives are really well done. Do they have a lot of footage from him? 
like an, like growing up? They've got some good Immokalee footage in there. Um, him going back to Immokalee and just talking about some of the philanthropic stuff he's done in that area. Um, I thought <laughs> you got a lot of Marvin Harrison on camera talking about Edge, which I was surprised. Of course, a lot of Peyton. Um, he's just a... And I'm not trying to get too, like, sentimental with it or... He just seems like a great ambassador for for what life should be about. Here's, I agree. I think that the thing about Edron James, and there's no, I'm not going to say anything here that has not been said a million times before, but I'll say it anyway because it bears being repeated. The thing about Edron James to me that he represents is the following, and that is, you know, I remember when Edron James first got here. I mean, he had been drafted. He was drafted in April or whatever. And like that May, I was in the Vogue, I remember. And Edron James was in there. And he had a hat on. with, And of course, all of his dreads were coming out from underneath the hat. And he had like the mouth full of gold teeth. And I remember thinking like, this guy probably is going to be out till four in the morning. And like he was very, to, he was almost to himself. Just kind of hanging out like with his crew. Didn't call a lot of attention to himself or whatever else, but I remember thinking like Bill Polian, Peyton Manning, this guy's not going to fit in. But he's out, but he's not drinking. Which Correct. I think it's kind of a misnomer well, with him. So the point being, what his outward appearance was was completely different than his inner. And I, I remember, I mean, I chatted with him very briefly, and he basically was just like, you know, I'm like, oh man, like you know. Must be good being in the NFL and being out or whatever. And he's like, yeah, but I'm not like I'm not about all that or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. And then there were always because of Edron James's outward appearance, there was always this misunderstanding about what he was and what he represented. And I think that people didn't stop to look beyond as he has talked about all the time. The gold teeth, the hair, whatever else. The hair he eventually cut because in Cleveland he got tackled by his dreads, by his hair, and he literally he, he cut it off the next week. So Edron James, in terms of his appearance, didn't care what you thought. Edron James, in terms of his appearance, cared if it held him back from performing his craft. Thus, he cut his hair. And... The one thing about Edron James, though, is that his outward appearance might have changed over the course of his time here, but his identity and his personality and his true spirit of who he was never did. He waited for other people to to get to know him, to conform their thought about him versus conforming himself to appease what the thought would be. And that, to me, is the definition of commendably authentic. And, you know, I'm sure Peyton Manning probably says it in the documentary because he says it anywhere he's asked that it's like the best teammate. I mean, I I remember... Best teammate he has ever had. And think about all the people Peyton played with. I remember asking Peyton Manning once about Edron James for something, and he said, the thing I most love about Edron James is he literally is the eyes in the back of my head. Because so long as he's in the backfield, I know he's going to pick up any blitzer. Mm-hmm. He didn't care who it was, how big they were, how fast they were coming. If he had to do his job, he did his job. And, you know, Chap tells the story, Kevin, I'm sure he's told you, about the time that he went down to Immokalee to a basketball game. Edron James, he went down to do a profile on Edron James, and James said, hey, we're going to go to this basketball game. 
and Chapel was like literally the basketball game was like the like the drug dealers versus like the the young kids in in the town. I mean, literally. And Chap was like, and I didn't know what to think. I mean, you know, it was a scene different than it was not Beach Grove, Indiana. And Chap said, Edrin James said, or said to Chapel, just tell me with me, you're good. And Chapel said, we went down there, and those people in Immokalee could not have been more hospitable and open and kind to me, specifically because they knew I was a guest of Edrin James. Yeah. And, and he said people would literally, like Edron James would show up in the park and any riffraff that was going on immediately stopped because Edron James walked in. And that was the presence that he had. The last thing I will say about his his approach versus the reality or the perception of his approach versus reality, and I've told this story many times before, but he was totally absent one year in the off-season workouts. That was the, the famous quote of like, I didn't go to college for four years, but I know what voluntary means. And, you know, the closest I'm going to get to Tokyo is Benihana. He had some great quotes. But he showed up in Terre Haute, and he hadn't been seen, like in the OTAs and that kind of thing. He hadn't been seen. And people thought there was this perception that he was holding out and he was being difficult. He was a contract holder. It was none of that. He was down in Immokalee working out 20 hours a day, and people were like, this guy's done. So he shows up in Terre Haute, and I remember being there, and I'm like, hey, can I get a soundbite with you? And he said, I'll make you a deal. I'm going to go in and get my go get my physical because I just got here. And if you can guess my body fat and you don't go over, then I will do the interview. I go, okay. I go 5%. And he goes, all right. And he goes in and gets his physical and comes out. And he has the sheet of paper and goes, see, it was 4.2. So I don't have to talk. And then, and then he laughs. No, I'll talk to you. And he did like two minutes or whatever. He was always a nice guy. He was not. I didn't know him well. Disingenuous to say I did, but but he was always pleasant. I thought, but a true Kevin, a true, 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 authentic professional. Yeah, you will not be disappointed um, in, in viewing this tonight. There were a lot of things in there I didn't know, particularly about his Arizona years, and really a shame. And that was one of the great Super Bowls, Cardinal Steelers. A shame that they couldn't, that he couldn't, you know, maybe cap his career with that ring. Of course, Jim Mercer gave him one here, but you know, he, he left Indy. Uh, after that 2005 season um, and a lot of stuff off the field in Arizona I won't spoil it that again I, I didn't know a whole whole lot about uh, but just an unbelievable human and the Hall of Fame speech I think we all saw it a couple years ago how I think it was great for everyone to see Edge as Edge and I think it's one of the more iconic Hall of Fame speeches frankly that there's been gold just, teeth to gold jacket right right you know Canton Correctional facility inmate you know he opened up his jacket and i forget what number he was hall of famer 322 or something like that um just real absolutely real and kurt, kurt warner is in there a lot from his arizona days todd haley ken wisenhunt larry fitzgerald um just beloved absolutely beloved you know if you were to give that super bowl winning team if you were to give every player individually an iq test Edron James is in the upper quartile of upper quartiles. Is that rare air? Quartile. That is, in fact, rare air. <laughs> now, that is the presenter, remember, for him in the Hall of Fame? Jim Irsay was his presenter. There was a. Irsay why did he, loved why him did he some do Edron a James. speech in front of a jet? Like, <laughs> kept a tradition <laughs> right now. Can we head over to the Canton International <laughs> Airport? <laughs> there was a. Um, you know, Joseph Adai was drafted. 
you know, for that Super Bowl season. Right. You know, Edge leaves, and Edge shared a story about how he basically told Joseph Adai, anything you need to know about the playbook, man, just call me up. I don't think you see that a whole lot in professional sport. No bitterness from Edge. He realized that, you know, from a re-signing standpoint, that the position he played and, you know, Dwight Franey and Reggie and Dallas and all those guys that... Do they um, get into, Kevin? Had to be re-signed. Do they get into his knee injury and how much... I think people forget that pre-knee injury, I mean, he was on a torrid pace to become... Didn't he leave the league in rushing his first two seasons? First two years, yeah. I, I mean, he was a 1,500-yard back, and but versatile. I mean, he could catch out of the backfield. He could block. He was a – and I, I'm i sure they probably – do they get into the Ricky Williams stuff? Uh, a little bit of the Ricky Williams stuff. I mean, they they, they cover everything. To, to your point about the ACL, yeah, in Kansas City, they do touch on that. Um, you know, him coming back from the ACL. Again, the Arizona years I, I found really interesting. I, I don't want to spoil anything on that end. Um, he played in Seattle too, didn't he? Yes, Arizona for a while though. So Arizona, like three. I want to say, I'm guesstimating here. He had like a an 11 year career, like six of them here, probably four in Arizona, one in Seattle, something like that. That sounds right. So again, tonight nine o'clock, football life on NFL Network. So set your DVRs. Edron James, 1999 to 2005 with the Colts. Arizona Cardinals, 2006 to 2008. Seattle Seahawks, 2009. Did he have um, any thousand yard seasons in Arizona? I will have to look that up. I'm going to say he had a 978-yard season. No, not that much. 878, I'll say. He had two. 2,000-yarders? Uh, Did he really? 1,159 wow. in 2006 and 1,222 in 2007. I didn't. I, that's, I think that's, that's impressive. what kind of cemented his yeah, greatness that's impressive. of like coming back from the ACL, doing it away from Peyton, all of that. Um, and boy, that's Super Bowl. Remember that, Arizona and Pittsburgh? You know my thought on that, my incredibly unpopular opinion that Steeler fans throw him down a flight of stairs over. And remember, you and I talked about yeah, it Yeah, Antonio Holmes didn't get his feet I have, down? I've always said. It's an optical illusion I, I was rooting for the Steelers in that Super Bowl. But if you look at it, Antonio Holmes, when he puts his foot down, I can't remember which foot it is, left or right, but whichever foot he has down very clearly as he catches the touchdown pass, his other foot is resting against the back of that foot and I'm not certain that it itself also touched the ground. Mike DeCourcy's going to slash your tires. I, I love Mike DeCourcy, and I love the Steelers. I mean, I grew up a huge Steelers fan. Huge Steelers fan. But I've always felt that way. That, And people are like, no, you don't. like. Just look at it closely. How about this story someone just sent me? Special Olympics had a clinic at the Colts complex one year. Special Olympics athletes gathered to go into the indoor facility. All the Colts players went out the door by the dumpster to get to their cars to avoid the crowd. Edrin comes out the back door on purpose, spends 15 minutes or more taking pics and high-fiving the athletes. Not surprising at all. I remember the one year when, and I think this has been totally played out by now, the, the entrance to training camps. That was really fun at that time because it was all new and original, at least here. I can't speak for other places. But Edron James was the king of it. He's the one, of course, that took a cab one year, and then we found out the cab driver actually didn't have a driver's license. Um, But I'll never forget when Edron James showed up in a bus, and it was full of kids. And it was all kids from a combination of Florida and Central Indiana, at-risk youth, and he brought them all to training camp and then took them all out to a movie 
and made like a big a big to do out of it. And then when he was not re-signed and went to Arizona, Reggie Wayne showed up for training camp in an Edron James yeah. Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinal jersey. <laughs> I remember like, whoa. There are some cool Reggie Miami stories. I, I Trick Daddy, by the way, makes an appearance in the football life. Um, Edge is on a yacht at one point with his boys. That's kind of how it starts and it finishes. So it, it's awesome. It's a, Again, if you can't view it live tonight, make sure you DVR it because you won't want to miss it. All right, let's get back into the Colts-Eagles conversation. Coming up next, Matt Taylor in about 10 minutes. Kevin, Twitter's still alive. Oh, I'm so, so grateful. I need Twitter, Jake. Now my wife might disagree with me. Listen, not to go down a slippery slope like we mentioned earlier, but I think Twitter is an important part of our society. I know that not everybody uses it, etc. I get it. But I think that we are more in a world today than in years past, perhaps, where it is a huge source not only of information but of of keeping people abreast of situations in an unfiltered and unbiased sense now i mean obviously there's a ton of misinformation on it as well but in terms of people being able to distribute information and video evidence of live events as they're happening both good and bad it's a very important part of there have been a lot of news stories over the last handful to to de- you know decade or so that it would be impossible for the people involved to refute the actuality of happenings because of what was tweeted or put out on a platform that allowed people in real time to see what took place with something. It, it's a pretty important vehicle. and I think it's such a connector. That too. No question. Um, honestly, uh, Matthew from Maine was re- reaching out to me earlier about it. Uh, you know, Someone that is no longer living in the area that they grew up or you know an area that they still want to have tons of connections with it allows you to stay connected totally. that's yep to that area um so yes twitter alive for now so happy to see that up uh, this eagles matchup i think one aspect of philly we don't talk about enough this might be the best offensive line in football I was talking with jmv yesterday the bulldog and he brought up Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. You think back to these, you know, mobile quarterbacks the Colts have faced this season, and the Colts did a very nice job with against both of those guys. A huge reason for that was they controlled the defensive line of Indy, controlled the offensive line of Kansas City and Denver. It's not as foregone conclusion in this matchup they'll be able to do that. I think one of Philly's strengths is a really athletic offensive line that allows them to do so much of the read option stuff. And it's easily the best wide receiver duo the Colts have faced all year in A.J. Brown and Devontae Now, Smith. on the other side of things, for the Colts' offensive line, which, is, which showed some solidarity in the win over the Raiders, you know, they're going to be going up against a defensive line in Philadelphia that's pretty banged up and is kind of patchwork at this point. Yes, very patchwork, very beat up. Um, again, played a ton of snaps on Monday night. They signed Linval Joseph, veteran, to kind of help their run defense issues. Signed Adama King Sue yesterday. Really curious to see how much those two play on Sunday. But um, I think so much of this matchup will be about 
you know, can Jonathan Taylor consistently move the football on the ground, finish off drives, play keep away, those things. Are you bleeding? I am. What did you do? What happened? Uh, cuticle mishap. But you combine that with blood thinners. Did you notice because I've got the paper towel wrapped around me? Is that how you notice? Or am I spilling blood everywhere? Yeah, there's a pool right under your keyboard. <laughs> Forensic is. Files is going to go nuts in here. <laughs> How about yesterday, Maddie? You know, Rosie starts screaming that she's got to go poop, and okay. we're trying to, you know, get her <laughs> what? Get her potty trained a little bit here. So I'm scrambling to get her on the toilet, and I just smoke my head on the corner of the shower. Ow! Oh my god! Did you you bleed? See this, you see this knot I've got? Did you bleed right here in the right corner? No, no, no blood. But I mean, I'm just. And of course, she gets on the toilet and she doesn't do anything. Did we, Mark, so did, anticlimactic. Did we need to know, Mark, the, the front and back end of that story? Well, we heard, certainly heard about the back end. Who <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to connect with the listener, Jake? Right? <coughs> we're gonna get. We're gonna yell at your you know, blood, just, and you know, Rosie having to go number two. This is a great setup. We're talking about blood and poo. That's a good. Uh, okay, it's a good way to start. Does nothing Friday say show. Friday nine o'clock hours about to be <laughs> here? Get yelled than, at than, than that. Just Friday. Why is it never than any other day? But nothing. <laughs> we start percolating and waking up about eight thirty, and by Save nine we are off and 958, running. Nine fifty eight, Kev. <laughs> what a lead in. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, next. Thank you to Shelby Materials for making it possible for Matt Taylor to join us each and every Friday, previewing the Colts. Of course, the voice of the Colts. You can hear his broadcast here on Sunday on this radio station, Eagles and Philadelphia. Matt, I'll begin with this. It feels to me, and I want you to to opine on whether you agree with this, two teams in Philadelphia and the Colts, one that I'm very curious to see if they can continue the trajectory that they were able to get underneath them with the win in Las Vegas in the case of the Colts and to see whether or not that redirects their season for them and the other in Philadelphia that I'm curious to see if stubbing their toe for the first time and getting beaten by Washington redirects them as well and if they go the form of kind of what Arizona did where they got out to a great start then you lose a game and all of a sudden vulnerability catches up to you but I'm curious with these two teams, it feels like this is a game, we've said this about other games in the past, admittedly, that can kind of channel which way they go from here on out. Am I putting too much into that? No, I think it's fascinating for uh, a lot of different reasons, like you just mapped out there. I mean, the Colts are you know, feeling good about themselves, and you know, Jeff Saturday comes in, and he's like the guy, he's like... Uh, triple a or like who's your helper you know like you're, you got a car you got a dead car battery on the side of the road and he's like the jumper cables and breathes some new life into your battery and gives you some some new hope and some new juice and his leadership and fresh perspective certainly worked i think on a short week for him because really he didn't hit the ground running until tuesday um and i know the raiders are the raiders and i totally understand that right they're two and seven and they're on a three-game losing skid but at the end of the day, the right they're still an NFL team, and they've got you know some really good football players on both of their units. So, good win for the Colts, especially on the road when you have to travel almost all the way across the country. And it got loud there uh, at times on Sunday. I mean, it was a good environment. So, I think the Colts should be you know congratulated for that, given you know all that was thrown on their plate. And then you got the Eagles. And to your point, Jake, you're exactly right. And, and you, the the NFL put this out the other day. In NFL history, teams to start 8-0 and or better and play on the road the week after losing their first game are a combined 3-10 and in the, the, uh, in the ensuing road game. 
Um, so listen, I mean, I, I understand like that that has nothing to do with the Eagles. You know, it's all about situational and it's it's uh, circumstantial game to game. Um, but you know, there is there is history that says you know when you get off to a fast start and you hit a little bit of a roadblock, you know, teams have to deal with adversity and they have to deal with the fact that they're no longer invincible. And I don't think the Eagles uh, are invincible. I think they're far from it. They got some chinks in their armor. Um, they played good football to this point. There's no doubt about it. I mean, their stats on offense and defense sort of bear that out. And then you, when you watch the tape, you see the playmakers like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts being able to kill, kill you on, you know, on the ground, running the football and throwing the ball. Um, but they, they, I mean, listen, any given Sunday and the Colts are plenty good enough to take advantage of the Eagles if they play some good football. Um, but this is a great, I think, um, you know, game in, in terms of the Colts when, when the Eagles have the ball, you're going to have great on great because you've got Philadelphia who's top four in total offense and the Colts who are top four in total defense. Um, so it's, it's a real treat sort of that game within the game when the Eagles have the ball. Uh, but you got eight and one, four, five and one, and uh, two teams that are on completely different paths in terms of how they got here. Um, but obviously, Philadelphia trying to win a very competitive NFC East, and the Colts are trying to climb their way back into the playoff picture in the AFC just in general. And he's Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Mate, kind of going back to Sunday, as you were alluding to, I felt like f- for arguably the first time all season, offensively you got support you supported your quarterback and your quarterback supported you and you didn't need like the no huddle aspect to maybe mask things like the no huddle going that path you know it's just not something you can do week in and week out and you had that against Jacksonville a month ago um, but that's hard to I think replicate every week and think oh we're gonna catch this defense by surprise I just felt like that's where the you know positive encouragement comes from on Sunday, sure, the Raiders are not going to be the opponent every week, and that's unfortunate. But from a supporting of Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan supporting you, I thought it was the most complimentary aspect to that offense you've got all season. Yeah, that's the word that you just hit on. It's it's complimentary. And, and the Colts, I thought, looked like on Sunday, like I thought they were going to look like all season, dating back to training camp. You know, When Matt Ryan inked the deal in the trade to come over to the Colts, this is the offense on Sunday is what I envisioned back in March when – you know, these two uh, sides, you know, married up and, and got together. And, you know, it was quick rhythm. It was simple. Uh, the game plan wasn't too much. And I thought there's no coincidence that Matt Ryan had his best game of the season where the offensive line had their best game of the season. They protected well, right? Only 28, there was 28 pass attempts and only one sack and one quarterback pressure on Matt Ryan. And even the one sack I don't think is completely all on the offensive line. Sort of some miscommunication there on a third and one and plus territory on that first drive of the third quarter. And then, you know, we know what happened after that. You missed a field goal. So, I mean, good on Parks Frazier, too. I was thinking about this the other day. Parks Frazier in his first game, first game ever at any level calling plays, he realistically dialed up a 30-point effort. I know they only scored 25, but they had the turnover, the lost fumble at the plus 20, and then you missed a field goal when you're right on the cusp of the red zone. Um, there again on that that first drive of the third quarter that's six points at least six points right there Um, so that should have been a 30-point effort by the Colts which again would have been by far um, you know their best uh, game of the season in terms of complimentary football the pass 
and the run because they scored over 30 against Jacksonville, but it was all pass, like you said. They had to go no huddle and had to sort of just come up with an identity that day to beat Jacksonville, whereas in this game, the Colts were balanced. They were over 400 yards, 200 passing, 200 yards rushing. Jonathan Taylor had his best game. And maybe the Colts have found something up front along that offensive line with Bernard Ryman at left tackle and Will Fries at right guard. We'll see going forward, but listen, it's the Raiders. I know that, but it's still an NFL team. And given what the Colts had to go through last week, um, that was a really you know inspired performance. And we'll see if they can back it up against the Eagles. If they win this game, then I think the Colts are on to something. I really do. I think if, if they can pull this one off at home, beat the Eagles, send a message that, hey, Jeff Saturday's you know, found some sort of mojo and, and the Colts are really kind of buying into his leadership and that camaraderie that he's installed inside this locker room, then all of a sudden, hey, you're, you're at Thanksgiving and you're 500 and you got six games left. Anything can happen after that. I know the Colts have a really difficult schedule down the stretch, um, but this, this could be exciting if they get this win. I think if they get the victory on Sunday, then maybe I think they're capable of making a, a realistic push here. You know what's confusing to me, Matt, and I was going to ask you about whether or not they open the playbook up a little bit more now as Parks Fraser gets more comfortable, but I'll, I'll shelf that for now to piggyback off something you just said. In terms of Jeff Saturday and the camaraderie, the leadership, the chemistry that, that can be created underneath him, I don't dispute any of that. But what's curious to me is those are the things that, like, when, when people talked about Frank Reich and what why they were excited that he was the head coach of the Colts, before X's and O's, before those other things, the things that you would always hear, he's a leader of men. He's a man of great faith. He's a guy that, that people want to play for. The players like him. People respect him. So do those things just eventually fall mute? Is that what it is? I mean, because that was everything that I heard about Frank Reich. So why now is that's what is that what's needed under Jeff Saturday? Right. No, it's a, it's a really good question, and and I don't. I think you'd have to ask the players. Um, I think they would have to give you a, a better answer because they live it. Right? They're they're in the locker room every day. They're at practice every day. They're in the meeting rooms uh, with their assistant coaches, and and you know with with Frank obviously overseeing the offense. Um, so they're going to be a, a better you know pool of, of people to ask. Now I'll tell you, we talked about this last week, and I think it's fair to bring up because Frank did come in and establish a really good culture. You know, there was a culture of, of uh, character and high standards and doing things the right way, um, you know, holding yourself uh, accountable, holding your teammates accountable. But I just think that Jeff Saturday does it in a different way, and he's only been here for whatever it is, you know, 12, 13 days. Um, and he is just, he's got a different, fresh perspective on it. And I also think, I think it's fair to wonder the other way, Jake. I think it's, okay, how long will this last with Jeff, right? How long will the newness of Jeff, um, you know, how long will that linger before Jeff's uh, mentality and his demeanor becomes, you know, uh, normal, if you will? Because I don't think it's there yet. You know, I think think Zaire Franklin said it pretty well last week, either before the game or after the game. It's like, you know, as a kid – you know, you're in your house and you're playing and your mom says, you got to pick up your room. You got to pick up your stuff, pick up your room. You got to organize it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then all of a sudden, like your aunt comes over and she's like, pick up your room. Like, what are you doing? Like, let's go. All of a sudden, like your ears perk up and it's like, it's a, it's a different voice telling you to do something. So I think that's sort of 
what's going on right now with the Colts. And, and, and Jeff's a guy that leads in a different way. You know, Frank is more stoic and um, sort of like in the line of a Jim Caldwell or a Tony Dungy. And Jeff's not like that. You know, I, I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to go about it, but they lead in different ways. And Jeff's going to get on your butt. He's going to get in your face. He's going to do it in a constructive way where he's going to build you up at the same time where he's being critical. Um, but I think right now you have two different personality dynamics at play, Jeff Saturday versus Frank Reich. Um, you know, I mean, uh, Rick Carlisle talked about it last week, you know, with, with Larry Bird coming in. You know, I, what, what did Larry say? It's about a or six year shelf life or window before the message starts to get, uh, you know, diluted a little bit and guys sort of not tune out, but, you know, just sort of understand like what's said before what's even brought up. And I think maybe that, I, I don't know, you'd have to ask the players, but I think Jeff Saturday is, is new and fresh enough where he has the locker rooms full and, and um, you know, undivided attention, I think, going into this game against the Eagles. Yeah, I thought Paris Campbell put it really well earlier in the week with us. You know, did we need a new voice or did we need Jeff's voice? It's probably a combination of both. I think a lot of yeah. it is just the new voice you see NFL teams often. The Carolina earlier this year, you know, interim coach, boom, here's their immediate jolt. Now it's, right. you know, can you sustain that? Again, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, uh, 1 o'clock, Colts and Eagles this Sunday. Our coverage will begin at 10 o'clock. I actually think JMB live at Bullseye Event Center starting at 9. Uh, Maytay, let's get into a little bit more Eagles-specific stuff. You know, if you look at Monday, I've been saying all week long, I thought they got beat up. I mean, they played 83 defensive snaps. That is an astronomical number, and I think it's a big reason why you've seen them with their run D struggles signed Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Sue this week. The flip side of it, while that I think is an on-paper advantage for the Colts, I do think this Philly offensive line is really good. And with the Quiddy Pay injury, we know the Colts are stout in the middle of their defensive line, but it's time that Dio Dangbo really, really steps up. I thought he had some flashes against the Raiders, but I think that is a subplot to this game where when you've played Denver, when you've played Kansas City, your D-line won those matchups against the mobile quarterbacks. Can you do it against this Philly O-line? Yeah, no question about it. I mean, you're going to have to... Uh... Uh, you're going to have to get after this quarterback, and you have to kind of pick your spots, and you have to be disciplined because Jalen Hurts very dangerous with the football in his hand, and he's a guy that can turn a third and eight into a five and six second long play and scramble and get a first down, and it's just so demoralizing to give up a play like that. I mean, Jalen Hurts last year led all NFL quarterbacks in rushing. Uh, he's top five this year. Um, I think he's over 750 rushing yards last year, um, so he's very, very dangerous. Now he's going to want to pass first, but he's in that you know class of, of new uh, wave age quarterbacks where you know athleticism, mobility, that dual threat that's definitely in play for him. So yeah, the Colts defensive line is going to have to play very, very big. They're going to have to be aggressive, but also balance discipline at the same time with their rush lane. It's like kind of playing like, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, earlier this season in week five against the Denver Broncos. Uh, but the good news is, is that the Colts defensive line has, is, you know, they're on the come here as of the last couple of weeks with, you know, Grover Stewart having a Pro Bowl season. DeForest Buckner, I think, has at least a half sack in five out of the last six games. Unique Ngakwe uh, is, is playing better both against the run and being more impactful in the, in the pass rush game as well. Uh, but without Quiddy Pay and, and Tyquan Lewis, I mean, those are two big losses for the Colts. Those are two really important, you know, rotational pieces that the Colts are down. 
So year number two for Dio Adangbo, it's time for him to show what he can do. I think he's going to play a very important factor in this game, um, trying to establish some sort of pass rush because the Eagles, you know, they're, they're solid in, in both the run and the pass, but they're not going to blow you away in terms of, you know, statistically in both of those categories. But what they do have, though, is just playmakers. Guys make plays when the game's on the line. Situational, red zone, third down. A.J. Brown, Smith, uh, Goddard before this past week. He's not, he's not going to play on Sunday against the Colts, which I think is a big break. Um, but they've had just guys that just go out and make plays at critical times. And you have to have that when you go out and, and, and you know you, you speed out to an 8-0 record to start the season. So really important that the defensive line plays well in this game for the Colts. Matt Taylor is our guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matt, let's go back to what I was mentioning earlier. You know, Jim Irsay had said, after the game against Las Vegas, that one of the things I think that he kind of liked, to be honest with you, is they they just simplified their offense, and it's understandable. You got a new head coach, you got a new guy calling the plays, so they just kind of went back to the basics. That obviously worked for them with Jonathan Taylor springing free being a big part of that. Do they start to give Parks Frazier now a, a little bit bigger of a playbook to sample through? He he hasn't gotten yet to the Cheesecake Factory menu, but. <laughs> Are they going to go to a variation thereof? I hate going to the Cheesecake Factory because it's like an hour and a half for me to decide what <laughs> yeah, I want. Exactly. They give you a phone yeah. book. You're like, wait, what? Just give me the odd pages today. I'll do yeah. the even ones next week. <laughs> so I like going to the diner and my cousin Vinny because it's just breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I don't know if the Colts playbook was that simple last week. But, uh, yeah, I think it's 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 natural that, that Parks Frazier is going to have to graduate to more you know, things at his disposal. But at the same time, you also have to play to your strengths. And I thought that's what the Colts did so well last Sunday against the Raiders. They just kept it simple, and the RPO game was great. Jonathan Taylor to establish himself. But I think also, too, they're going to have to just naturally add some more wrinkles in this game uh, because of who they're playing. Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon uh, really know this offense, especially Nick Sirianni, because he was the coordinator of it. Uh, with Parks Frazier on the staff for three years. So those guys know each other really, really well. And, you know, they're both, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, disciples of, of Frank Reich in this offense. So they got a lot of, you know, Frank's DNA uh, as a play caller in, in both of them. So they know sort of what the tendencies are. And Parks is going to have to do a good job of sort of self-scouting himself and self-scouting the, the Frank Reich inside of him knowing here's what I would do, here's what Frank would do, here's what Nick thinks I'm probably going to do because of our history together. So he's going to have to deviate away from that. So it's it's sort of a double-edged sword for Parks this week. He has to self-scout himself. He has to scout Nick Sirianni's tendencies within him. And then he also has to know what he can do to take advantage of this Eagles defense just principally you know, watching their players on film. So I think from that standpoint, it's a fascinating dynamic in terms of who the Colts are identity-wise in this game and what they can draw up on offense with Matt Ryan at quarterback. Again, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, 1 o'clock, Colts and Eagles. What This is the final 1 o'clock game at home until the finale, right? Oh, that's right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because you got Pittsburgh. A and then couple the Monday-nighters. On a Monday night. Yeah, a couple Monday-nighters. And then, yeah, you got uh, January 7th or 8th against the Houston Texans. Probably going to be a 1 o'clock game given how their season is going. So, 
Ah, I don't want to. I don't want to think about those late night games. You got at Dallas in there. At Minnesota might be a prime time game. I don't like staying up late. I like to be in bedtime. I like to go to bed Such at a reasonable an old time. Man. You know me. I know you know me. Come on now. I figured you'd be up late watching replays of Ron Colley's <laughs> season here, the Ron Colley season yearbook. Yeah, you got any East Central right? memories? Rake was sharing them earlier with us. Oh yeah. Yeah, we played them twice. So my junior and senior year, we actually played them twice in the playoffs. If I'm not mistaken, when I was a junior, uh, we were fortunate enough to win state both of those seasons, junior and senior year. But I think we played them in the regional in overtime down there. And then my senior year, we played them in the semi-state, another game that went into overtime. My senior year, so I'll, I'll make this, I'll go as quickly as I can. My senior year, we go into overtime. They get the ball first. They score. Uh, we get the ball second. We score. I'm the holder on the PAT team. Uh, I look at the kicker. They've been rushing us pretty good on, on PATs and field goals for the entire game. I look at the kicker. I said, if anybody gets near you, just kick it through the uprights and then go down. So I, the snap comes to me. I put it down. He kicks it through. Sure enough, he gets roughed. We take the point off the board. Look at the this. The, you have a soccer background, Matt Taylor? What's that? Do you have a soccer yeah, background no telling people to fall down and get a yellow yeah, card? Well, I mean, I said, you know, like, let's, let's, let's get the win here. Because I knew what we were going to do. Like, if, 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 if we get a penalty, you know, we're going to run our offensive line and we're going to run power toss, you know, <laughs> off tackle left to right, and we're going to get in the end zone and go to state. So we took the point off the board, half the distance to the goal, and we got stalemated at the goal line and then – a couple of our offensive linemen pushed the tailback across the goal line, and we got a two-point conversion for the win to go to state. Yeah, so you and, flopped and, your and way to state. That's cool. Never, they have never forgotten about it down there. I wonder why. They still, they still think that you know their defense held, and uh, they stopped us. Now, I think Ron Colley ran power toss for 2,322 straight plays at one point. What number <laughs> were you, Matt? I was 12. Number 12. So you were the quarterback? Uh, I was I played as so I played all over so I played offense and defense I was the backup quarterback but thankfully I never had to to go in the and, game to play quarterback and if you had to by 11 a.m. if you had to present both of your state title rings would you be able to know exactly where they are right now get them and present them or have you put I them on eBay say, already oh I hate to say this but I can only account for one of them I only have my senior year did I don't you, know did your Tim Riggins father the other one. What's that? Did you Tim Riggins father the other one and throw it out the car? <laughs> no, I've got both medals, but I only have one ring, and did I'm sick about it. Did you hit on hard times your junior year there and had to put that bad boy up for auction? <laughs> yeah, I needed some stake and shake money. I had to take, <laughs> yeah. I had to take my date. I had to put gas in my car and take my date to stake and shake after the game. Yeah. You're craving the late night pizza in Franklin and just <laughs> had to. Here's the thing, Matt. The ring. When you're in the basement doing fake radio shows on your 45 record player, you need any buck you can get to impress the chicks, my man, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, I, I was cash. At that point, I was cash poor. I, all I had was assets. <laughs> May Taylor, see you later today, and then obviously Sunday up in the press box. Have a great call. All right, boys. All right, see ya. That's Matt Taylor right there, voice of the Colts. <laughs> Do you know where your class ring is? Uh boy, that's a good question. I think, I think, yeah, I think I have the class. I think the class ring and and our state championship ring for golf, I think, are in the same area. But the medal, I, I totally, totally forgot about the medal. So your, where would your class, like, do you just have them in a yeah, jewelry like a, box or something? Yeah, like a little drawer in the basement if anyone wants to break into the house and right. take them.
but my finger's gotten so fat, there's no way that that state ring fits anymore. This is a dumb question. Obviously, I never played on a state championship winning team. Are you awarded the rings, or do your parents have to buy them? Uh, I think we bought them. The yeah, medals. They give you the you, catalog, don't they? The, yeah, was it Herf Jones or who? I, I I don't know who did the state rings, but you get the medals there. I think we all see the you know you you see them in the state finals each year for I football. Would, I would think though, you get the medals right there on the field. If there has to be, maybe this is like a charity I should take up. There has to be some sort of philanthropy one can do to pay for whether it be a class ring or a a an athletic accomplishment ring that's something that if a student has earned it everybody should have the opportunity yeah to that's a good it. point i don't know maybe the school offered some sort of complimentary without without people knowing obviously right you know what i mean yeah that that's a good question now obviously the ihsa hands out the medals right um you get those medals i think that's right yeah right yeah. there and again so. i didn't win any titles so i don't know but and kevin did well, I'm very fortunate. Enough the to guy's a winner. Some, some great junior on our team. There. He's in the upper quartile, Mark. Oh, Don't you know that? You're now, if, if they were giving out rings for the Colts and and they were doing it individually, player by player, and they would with each player, they'd say like, you know, this one's for Mr. Buckner, and this one's for Mr. You know, whatever it may be. And this one line. for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it would sound, And right? then he'd say, oh, Alec Pierce, your ring didn't get here. Poor, poor Alec Pierce. <laughs> Rookie, rookies will get theirs next week. That's right. That's what he's saying there. That's Big right. matchup for Stephon Gilmore this week, no matter if it's A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith. Um, pop quiz, freebie Friday, five minutes away, 317-239-1070. That is a Jiffy Lube oil change, which this time of year comes in very handy. And, um, yeah, let's hit a morning check now. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Well, the Titans won last night, um, and their offense coordinators got popped for DUI. Where was the game? In Lambeau. I believe this was in the Nashville area. Uh, intake at 4.39 a.m., released at 6.46 a.m. Hold, hold on. What time did that game end? Game ends at what? 11.30? You're oh, on the plane on, by on. 1. 11, 11.30, the game ends. So, okay, 1 o'clock? Yeah. What's that, an hour-long flight? A little bit more than that? So, flight time, they, they charter, obviously, right? Yeah, you probably land in Nashville around 3-ish. So, he had to have been drinking on the flight, right? Do you gain an hour? Yeah. Or are you central? You're on... No, yeah, I guess you're on Central both times. Yeah. So, dr- draw okay. that back an hour. The game ended at 11.30 our time, actually 10.30 Central time. One hour and 40 minute flight. So, if, if the game ends at 1, that's midnight Nashville time, he, he lands, at, let's say, by the time he gets 2 a.m. So, he's somewhere between 2 and 4? Yeah. And well, I mean, he's home? certainly drinking on the plane. Think so? Oh, without question. Celebrating that yeah. win. Although, I mean, everybody's drinking on the plane after a win. I mean, people that want to, I guess. 27-17, Titans over the Packers last night. Tannehill Packers over 300 suck. yards. 7-3 and three on the year. Tennessee well on their way to another AFC South title. 
That Titans passing game, I don't know if the, the Packers secondary is that bad or if their wide receivers are just getting open. But they Well, have having Traylon Burks back is huge. That's a first-round pick for them. He was obviously a big part of why they felt like they could trade A.J. Brown. And Robert Woods was solid last night. And Austin Hooper, who made some big catches. Remember that Colts game earlier this oh, year? Yeah. Some big catches, and he had them last night as well. Uh, speaking of Hooper, last night there were three of them, three games at least, in oh, the bye. NBA. Uh, Brooklyn over the Blazers, 109-107. Break up the Sacramento Kings, hottest team in the association. They've won five straight. De'Aaron Fox with 28, Malik Monk with 26 as they beat San Antonio, 130-112. to And it was the Clippers over the surprisingly uh, slow-starting Pistons. They're only firing on four Pistons at this point. 96-91. In my opinion, that sucked. What's that? Thank you. That joke was bad. It wasn't a joke. It was a commentary. I'm looking, I'm looking uh, to see what by, Romeo Langford did last night in the San Antonio game. IU favored by two and a half tonight. That is Xavier. Our coverage over on our sister station at five o'clock and a tip at six. And Xavier's best player, kind of iffy for this one, Colby Jones. But still a great test on the road for Mike Woodson's bunch and the Pacers in action. That will be on our station. Uh, that is 730 um, coverage begins with the Rockets. They are favored by five and a half. Uh, Romeo Langford not listed in the box score. Well, that's not great. Has he been demoted or is he hurt? I, I, I've i heard that San Antonio is actively shopping Romeo Langford. For what? Anything. <laughs> I mean, it's like the Colts saying, like, let's shop Ben Banigou right now. I mean, like, not sure really what was you're going to get Was Ben Banigou the one that was announced by the uh, orangutan, or was that Grover Stewart? It's a good question. Which one did McAfee announce on draft day? Was oh, that, that was Okereke, but he you know said Okereke. Well, that's what it was at the time, right? Right. Bobby um, Okereke. Speaking of the Colts, their injury report, um, some illness going around, which I don't think is too surprised to any of us, considering how the flu season has gone. Zaire Franklin and Kenny Moore and Isaiah Rogers. Those three have all missed practice this week due to illness. Kenny Moore's missed both Wednesday and Thursday, so we'll monitor that if any more go on that. Um, injury report list due to illness, non-COVID related. Um, Quiddy Pay uh, was out again yesterday with a boot on his right ankle, which has been nagging him now for about the past month and a half. Um, the other name, Jelani Woods, did not practice due to a shoulder injury yesterday. Practice Wednesday, did not on Thursday. Good news on the injury report, though, to force Buckner back to work. And Luke Rhodes with a calf injury and a new father. Uh, he was back to practice uh, yesterday. Romeo Langford, by the way, is in the COVID protocol. Which is why he was. In oh the wow! Second game in a row he's missed. All right, it's time for the pop quiz three one seven two three nine ten seventy. We're going to give out our picks here coming up to close out the show, but it's time for Freebie Friday pop quiz. Scotty has entered the building. Uh, Scotty, the level of difficulty today? Six. A six on a one to ten scale. That's probably a twelve for most people. Then. <laughs> okay. I'm scrolling through it. I see a little bit of everything, and do I see some Notre Dame flavor? Uh, yes, you do. That Scotty, a lot of snow in South Bend. We'll see how it looks for tomorrow, Senior Day, Notre Dame, and Boston College. All right, give us a call. Pop quiz time: three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. So we were talking, by the way, about championship rings, and I appreciate that people pointed out that if a student for some reason can't afford a ring, typically the booster club would make up that money. 
I would certainly hope that every student athlete has that opportunity if their team wins a title. Um, also saw an article that is in the Indianapolis Star that Mike Jansen, the former public address announcer for the Colts, has put his uh, the two rings that the Colts won when he was the PA announcer. He, as a staff member, got rings and, and is putting them up for auction. What would you guess that that would fetch, Kevin? Oh, boy, I'd have no idea. Um, An employee, because it's not the player. You know, there's like three tiers of ring. A couple thousand? I would think four to five thousand probably, yeah. right? I mean. Now he's putting up a couple rings? What The Super Bowl and AFC Championship? Correct. Or how does that? Correct. And the AFC Championship ring, actually, I think is a cooler looking ring than the Super Bowl ring. You were not with the Colts at that time, right? No. Will there be upper upper quartile rings in the upper quartile of quartiles right. of rings? The fourth best team since two thousand. I don't know if you can fit all that on a ring. It's on a banner, isn't it? Yeah, the banner. That's I think, rare here. Right. I think that's part of the halftime show on Sunday. Is the unveiling of the banner? Jeff Saturday will come out and get the banner up into. He's going to bang the anvil for that one. The raff- That's a good question. Really good question. Trent oh, Richardson, Richardson. Scotty jumps out with Scotty. I mean, we're trying to. That'll really get the fans in a ladder. Scotty, it's beautiful weather on this Friday morning. And you t- go there. What are the odds Trent Richardson is on an XFL roster? They just had the draft, right? He was on a USFL roster, right? Wasn't he with the Birmingham? Or no, that was the. What was the league that the Birmingham Stallions? No, the the Iron. What What's the league that went under you? I thought you were all about the USFL, uh, weren't you? I was. AAF or whatever it was called? Yes. Polians League, the Alliance or whatever? Alliance of American Football or something? I think that's the one that, that Birmingham had a team. And the Birmingham Iron, I think it was called. And, to- and Trent, Richardson, Trent Richardson was on it. And then the league folded like out of nowhere. The Birmingham Iron, the Atlanta Legends, the Memphis Express, the Orlando Apollos, the Arizona Hotshots, Salt Lake Stallions, San Antonio Commanders, and San Diego Fleet. Hey, the Commanders are an NFL team. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they didn't last that hey, long. Daniel Snyder might be suing them. He's suing everybody else. A lot of people think that Our Daniel Snyder is behind this investigation of the Jeff Saturday hiring. I don't think there's a whole lot to work with there on that. Well, I, I agree. I agree, but who would know. be on the Jim Irsay hate list? Daniel Snyder, Joe Thomas, Yoko Ono, Bill Cower, Carson Wentz. <laughs> Carson Wentz for certain, right? A calm breeze without a jet engine blasting behind it. <laughs> Billy Volick. <laughs> Billy Volick. Boy, again, watching the Titans last night, he's got to be like, oh, man, Mike Vrabel. But again, maybe he thinks Jeff Saturday's Mike, his Mike Vrabel. You know, Robert Kraft is not on his hate list, right? Does he hate Kraft or Belichick more? I think he likes Robert Kraft. Didn't he? Really? Didn't he do a video before they played in New England? Like, Robert Kraft's been a great owner. Yeah. You know, he's, we want to thank he him. He did do that. Yeah. He's a great guy and a good friend. No video after that game, though, right? Surprising. Uh, it is time for the pop quiz that again. Three one seven. My favorite irk of Kevin Bowen is the fact that he gets irked that there's no jet side videos after losses, only after wins. Two three nine ten seventy. Very Those indicative. Would be entertaining though of how that organization's operated over the past few years. Um, all right, Colts and Eagles Sunday at Lucas Oil.
the all-time series leader. Oh, geez. I guess we need a caller first. Uh, for some reason, I thought we had a caller. Nobody's called in. <laughs> no, we've got folks it's phone lines. It's freebie Fridays no, no, for no, crying that, out loud. That was, that was my fault. I didn't queue up a caller. He's giving the quiz. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like doing the quiz without Question anybody one, Jake. actually on the line. Uh, Jake, at number one through eight. Number one through eight. I will go with number five. We haven't done five in a while. Marosinko. Matt. Matt, happy Friday. Hey, how are you guys? What's going on? How you doing, man? Good, good. Matt, are you at the bottom of the ocean, or are you at work and you don't want people to know you're on the phone? No, I'm at the VA right now. Oh, you are? Okay. Now, are you, do you work there, or are you getting treatment? Uh, getting treatment in about 20 minutes. Everything okay? Yeah. Okay. And you're a veteran then, obviously? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, we thank you for thank that. You, what, which branch of the military? Uh, Navy. Okay, that's cool. Now, what's the, how many countries did you get to see during your time in the Navy? Oh, man, 30-plus uh, probably. Wow. Which one jumps out at you as the most beautiful? Uh, Spain. Yeah. Which um, did you like the least? Japan. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Spain is yeah. gorgeous, man. Uh, Spain is beautiful. No did you watch uh, Navy Notre Dame last Saturday? I watched the highlights. I, or the, uh, I kept up with it on my phone. I was a little busy at the time, but I'm a big fan of both teams. Boy. The only time I ever root against Navy is when they play Notre Dame. I'll tell you what, it got interesting there at the end. It was an onside kick away from Navy having a chance to win the game. I can't wait for Navy Ar- Army in a few weeks. How many, how many Navy Army games have you been to? I've never been to one, unfortunately. Really? God, that's on my bucket yeah. list. Yeah, it'd be very cool. Matt, uh, are you a native of the area? I am. I live in Avon. Okay. Did you go to Avon High School? No, I grew up in uh, Lawrence County. Went to uh, Mitchell High School. Okay. Oh, Mitchell, yeah. Okay. That's down by Paoli, isn't it? Yes. Okay. They had the Olympic skier the other year. Well, you got Paoli Peaks there. I mean, it's great training ground. Sure. Uh, All right, Matt, okay, good Matt, luck. Would you like for me, that would be Jake to lead you off, or would you like for Kevin to give you question number one? Uh, let's roll, Kevin. I've now read it for a second time. Apologies on that, Matt. Uh, Colts and Eagles, Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. Who leads the all-time series? Let's go Colts. Good call. Uh, Question number two, Matt. Derrick Henry had a rushing touchdown in the Titans' win over the Packers last night. It is the 10th rushing touchdown this season for Derrick Henry. He becomes just the fifth player in NFL history to score 10 rushing touchdowns in five straight seasons. Who among the following did not... So did not, you're looking for the anomaly here, have 10 rushing touchdowns in five straight seasons, which may be discussed tomorrow night when his football life is debuted on the NFL Network. Is it LaDainian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson, Sean Alexander, or Edron James? Edge. All right, Matt, number three, Yankees outfielder Aaron Judge is your American League most valuable player for 2022. Who was the last Yankee to win MVP honors doing it twice? Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, Don Mattingly, or Thurman Munson? A-Rod. Let's go, A-Rod. Question number four. The Cardinals' first baseman, Paul Goldschmidt, is the National League Most Valuable Player. With Judge and Goldschmidt's wins, the Yankees and Cardinals pad their leads for most MVP award winners. The Yankees have had 23. The Cardinals have had 21. The Giants and Dodgers are tied for second place in the NL with 14 most valuable players. But what franchise is second in the American League? Would it be the Red Sox, Tigers, the Athletics, 
or the Washington Senators slash Minnesota Twins? Uh, let's go with uh, Minnesota Twin Senators. Okay. You sure? I guess I'm not sure. Go um, with the Bash Brothers. Oh, Oakland. All right. That's mm. solid. The fact that Matt knew that means he's in my age range. That's solid. Number five here, Matt. Happy 53rd birthday to former Notre Dame football star, The Rocket, Ragib Ishmael. The Rocket was a star receiver and kick returner for Notre Dame's last national championship team in 88. He finished second in the Heisman Trophy balloting Man, in 1990. Who should we give him multiple choice, Scotty? I mean, if he was listening yesterday, he would this have heard guy, this name. This guy Jake. later was a Philadelphia Eagle. Jeez, hence go war today. No multiple choice, considering the start to the pop quiz. Who beat out the Rocket for the 1990 Heisman? Man, I don't know that one. Quarterback from Brigham Young. His first name is not used in the World Cup. Instead, they say that it's level. Yeah, I don't know. His initials. His initials. The integrity of this pop quiz is just. It's a freebie Friday for crying out loud. Have some respect for yourself, Jake. (laughs) What? These are outstanding. I'm going to take a pass on that one. I appreciate it, but I have no clue. (laughs) Matt. I respect Matt just saying, yeah, I got no idea, man. Fair enough. Did you All have right. a seventh hint you were thinking about? Well, what I was going to say is, last night, Derrick Henry had his 10th rushing TD, which happens to be the same initials as the Heisman Trophy winner in 1990, right? Well, So what was the controversy there? A lot of people just thought that... The Rocket should have won it? Yeah. I mean, Ty Detmer threw up huge numbers at Brigham Young. But Rocket Ismail was the most dynamic player in college football, unquestionably. So Eric Bieniemy finished third. Yes. Is that future Colts head coach Eric Bieniemy or no? Certainly, future Good. interviewee. One would hope, right? All right, let's see how Matt did. Colts and Eagles Sunday, the all-time series leader. The Loud and proud. It is the Colts at ten and nine. He was correct on question number two as well. It is Edrin James was the That's only to not have that mark Eight. of. 10 touchdown seasons. A-Rod 07 and 05. Last Yankee to win MVP. Athletics was correct for question uh, number yeah, great four. Though. And then five. Rocket was the runner-up to Ty Detmer. Gino Toretta, by the Stay way. Stay on the line, Matt. Was one of the options Scotty had. And again, thank you for your service. And another one that people forget about. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Hope everything goes well today. You know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed? You know how many games Michael Jordan's lost? The guy's a winner. <laughs> See, I didn't really understand that one because on the flip side, didn't Michael win a lot? Yeah, he has six six championships. Okay, yeah, I, I, I thought Multiple he did. Multiple MVPs. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was the side Weird of it that com. I didn't fully understand. Um, all right, let's give out our picks to close out the show. I realize, guys, the NFL wants parody. But, man, you look at this week's lines, and that's pretty much what you get. I mean... A lot of basically pick them games. Chicago and Atlanta being one of them. I tell you what, Mark, that I might be going there for a lock. Yeah, I mean, with, with your Bears, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd agree. The Bears giving three, I, but that's in Atlanta, right? It's in Atlanta. Yep. Don't tell me Atlanta's some hostile environment. No. Anything else you guys like? Lock front NFL. I got one other one that I, okay. that I'm thinking about. Carolina. 
is getting 13, and I Baltimore's obviously good and it's in Baltimore, but that's just such a big number in the NFL. I would take Carolina just because getting 13 is a huge number. Anything, Mark? Uh, Bills minus eight against the Browns. Now in Detroit, I think the Bills will thrive at Ford Field. And then the Chargers plus five against the Chiefs. Yeah, that's I feel like I'm the going. Chargers play the Chiefs really tough. I'm going to go Chargers. Um, the Bills want, I think, something to monitor. I, I hope that's right, Mark, because I have the Bills and a survivor. But the Bills have got like six guys in the injury report with illness. Mm-hmm. So they got to, they cancel practice for today. I yep, assume that's weather-related. It was weather-related, yeah. That I mean, there's something to keep an eye on. Havoc has been wreaked on the Bills this week, uh, unquestionably. And they've got a short week, right, to turn around because yep. they they got to stay in Detroit, which I guess they're doing, Scotty had said. Um, the one other one to me that, that's the Rams and Saints. The Rams are only giving three. And you think to yourself, like, oh, man, Rams win that easily. But, but you know, they're stuck in the mud, man. Well, is Matt Stafford playing? Yeah, I was going to say, what, what's Stafford's And they lost yeah, Cooper I mean, Cup. Yeah, they're that'll they're be mess. something to keep an eye on. I wouldn't touch that game. Um, Indiana pulling off a ten point upset at Michigan State. <laughs> no, uh, I think Jake's laugh probably says it all, right? Dexter Williams is he going to start? If, if he starts, I think Indiana has a chance. Indiana, they'll cover. I'll bet you they cover Indiana against Michigan State. Purdue covering eighteen and a half at home with Northwestern. No. Purdue wins, but doesn't cover. That's a lot of points. So Purdue's got that at noon, and then they want to row their boat at 4 o'clock. Minnesota at home against Iowa. Those two results go Purdue's way. They win the bucket. They go to the Big Ten championship. Um, okay, let's do Colts and Eagles to round it out. It's fluctuated a little bit, kind of right around a touchdown. It's back to seven points, Mark, you said? Yes. Last, last I checked, it was up to seven, yeah. Mark Dykton, who you got? I love Jeff Saturday. I like what I saw from the Colts last week. I think the Eagles lost to the Commanders was bad news for the Colts. I've got the Eagles resetting, refocusing. They win 31-17. Ooh, so you got a cover there. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going 27-23 Eagles. Um, mentioned it a few times today, I just think their offensive line deserves a little bit more credit. Um, again, I, I do think they're beat up. This is not a game I thought would I would predict something so close a week ago. I think the Colts have a blueprint, but um, I think Jalen Hurts makes one more play late. I, I have said forever that the Colts are going to beat the Eagles, and I kept saying, but I kept saying the Colts are going to beat the undefeated Eagles. If you look at what the Colts did over time, coming off of a loss. It's about 50-50, but Philly doesn't lose two in a row. They actually do win 30-24. Jay Query with the curveball late. Everybody have a great weekend. Talk to you Monday.